tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything if you want to make a call to us. And uh, Emma is looking after the show today. Coming up on the programme, Johnny Luby's weekly ramblings in just a few moments' time. A growing number of GAA clubs are banning vaping on the sidelines. We'll chat about that. A new survey shows that most Irish people prefer a traditional bank to a digital alternative. I'll be speaking to health and wellness coach Shane Pearson and we'll hear the latest from Ralph Regal in North Carolina on the Molly and Tom Martin's sentencing hearing for the manslaughter of Jason Corbett. And of course our Friday panel will unpack the hot topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. As usual, you can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at your headlines today. The Irish Daily Mail, their lead story, the man accused of killing Ashling Murphy has taken to the stand and claimed that he had no bad intention whatsoever when questioned on whether he had followed another woman and the murder trial uh, also heard yesterday that uh, Miss Murphy fought for her life and put up a big struggle against her attacker to the Irish Times. And their main story is that the national grid operator, Airgrid, offering landowners a €50,000 uh, for each pylon that they allow on their land as it bids to uh, complete a high-powered electricity link between the Republic and the North of Ireland as well. Also on the Irish Times today, coverage of the Israel-Gaza conflict and uh, the Times telling us that uh, Israel forces uh, were yesterday fighting in Gaza City neighbourhoods and said that they had sealed off the city as they closed in on Hamas's uh, military and civilian centres of power to the Irish Indo. And their main story, a shortage of construction workers could prolong the housing crisis. It has emerged. A new report has highlighted the lack of skilled tradespeople and manual labourers to retrofit and to build homes as well. And to the Irish Examiner. And they have a very interesting uh, interview with the Taoiseach. Uh, Leo Varadkar, who has refused to give a commitment that he will remain as Fianna Gael leader if the party enters opposition after the next election. And Mr Varadkar also ruled out uh, forming a voting pact among the coalition parties ahead of the next election, which is kind of interesting. Fianna Gael figures uh, believe that Mr Varadkar will not continue as leader if the party enters opposition, with sources speculating that senior ministers could also walk. Also on the examiner today, a very strange story that the Defence Forces are investigating claims that a non-commissioned officer armed with a loaded pistol ordered soldiers to fight each other after he had returned from a public house. And uh, finally on the examiner today, a Cork businessman serving five years in jail for assaulting his ex-wife in a case where he told Gardy that he had tried to murder her uh, continued the deep distress to the family by sending unusual letters and cards, indeed, from Cork prisons. And let's look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to make comments on any of that, 083 311 It's time for Johnny Luby. Morning, Johnny. 
Fran, have you ever a bit of good news at all? There's very little of it, Johnny. Very little of it. You see, that's why we have you on on a Friday to, <laughs> to balance Fran, things up. I, <laughs> I got two hours sleep last night. Listen to this. The Wexford contingent were up and the Canalty contingent, some of them came down. Whoops. And I was in bed and Catherine was in bed and the next thing is, a half an hour later, there were six or seven of us in bed. <laughs> Mother of God, above tonight, we had Lucy and we had Faye and we had uh, Tom and Ava, the twins, and then Sophie, she's too, she insisted on, on comedy. Oh, <laughs> and Catherine said, at about two o'clock, I'm holding on for dear life at this site. <laughs> when I said, I'm only barely holding on. <laughs> oh, Jesus, friend, I'll tell you. Now, look, it's marvellous to have them in the whole lot. Of course. But, you know, they're, like, they're brilliant, but I, they're going off today. <laughs> and you wave them goodbye, will you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, up the lights for you. Oh, but, uh, yeah. look, friend, uh, the county board draws on tonight. They're in the halfway between Feddert and uh, Clanmel in that lovely neck of the woods called uh, Lisrona. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And uh, look, we've, so far we haven't been lucky, but one never knows. We have to hang in there. So that's on tonight, sometime around 8 o'clock. I'm definitely going to win a car tonight. I just know it, Johnny. I can feel it. <laughs> you feel it in your water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, that's on tonight. And uh, look, we'll probably make a bust down there and see what's happening. I suppose, friend, the big one last weekend was the county hurling final yeah. replay between Kiladangan and the Southfields. Uh, it was a tremendous game of hurling, contributed very much too by uh, John McCormick, the referee from Knockabella Donaski. I think John is a girl there in Tullus. And uh, I think life was made easy for him because both teams wanted to play hurling. Yeah, they yeah. gave their all in the pursuit of glory. And Kildangan, in, in my book, were certainly the better team. But uh, I suppose Ronan Maher, if he was lucky enough to put that ball over the bell, uh, it would have been a draw game again and into extra time and penalty shootouts and the whole lot. But the very best of luck to Kildangan. Hopefully they'll have a couple of players to come on to the county scene for Liam Kerr and likewise with the Southfields. Uh, tomorrow, friend, is a big one for Laura Dora. They're the first representatives out of Tipperary uh, so far this year. Uh, they're out tomorrow in Nina at 1.30 when they play play the clear champions Corofin. The very best of luck to them, there'll be a big crowd there. So mm. uh I when I said tomorrow, I think it's actually Sunday it is. Mm. Uh tomorrow then we have Grange Mokler and uh, Arlo in the final uh, in the replay final again below and Alfin and in the intermediate final. The best of luck to both of them as well. To the fine game the last day. Of course weather this time of the year the ground heavy and the whole yeah. lot discordant doesn't be high doesn't be uh, high. So as a result it's probably all down to the to the defences. Our schools teams, Casual Community School, Tullus, CBS, Templemore and Nina, Carrick and Shore, they're all in the Hearty Cup and the best of luck to them. Some of them have are gone through uh, already whether they win or not their next game and uh, look to be marvellous to see if we could have, have it again like last year. It's a sign that the uh, hurling in Tipperary would be uh, quite strong at that underage level just to get them through to the, mm-hmm. the adult uh, scene, you know. Uh, in the rugby friend, of course, last weekend was the uh, World Cup final, and uh, we ended up friend in a place called Coffees of the Stook. I know it well. It's about maybe two miles above Rossmore, yeah. uh, sitting in front of an open fire. Ah, with, uh, with my driver on a cup of tea and myself on a pint of Guinness and surrounded by lads that knew the whole thing. But I would say, looking at last uh, weekend's final, that while South Africa won it and uh, uh, probably the All Blacks were maybe the classier 
nice on team playing rugby. Mm. But uh, the game of rugby seems to be refereed now from the the cockpit way up on the top. Uh, they're pulling up the referee uh, every uh, mm. maybe two minutes saying, look, we want you to have a look at this and we want you to have a look at that. And as a result of that, then, uh, Wayne Burns, the referee, uh, whom I thought had quite a good game. But uh, look, they certainly will miss a couple of things here and there. But when mm. the lads go back on it, then look, it's impossible to follow the, the game of rugby now. Uh, and uh, So uh, as a result, I won't say as a result of that, but mm. uh, Wayne Burns has retired from referee and I suppose it's like everything else uh, been scrutinised to the last and sure, all of but that. What a career he's had, Johnny. Oh yeah, wonderful. I honestly thought a wonderful referee, yeah. you know, uh, and that he has a, had a marvellous career. So uh, look, long Mr. Look him in yeah. his retirement. Uh, but but Johnny, is the it. game changing? I mean, if you can't follow it, what, what hope is there for the rest of us? Because like? I don't know, friend. I find it next to me on impossible. You know, yeah. uh, they're genuinely saying how in the name of God was that a penalty and you see that there's so many uh, technic- technicalities now in the scrum yeah. uh, and, uh, see, I, I thought down. it was just me I can't make head or tail of it you know yeah well look hey there's a nest load of people out there in the same boat as yourself, yeah. you know. But I suppose, friend, uh, to uh, kick on, last Friday night, of course, Friday evening nearly, we went to Oski Crow's funeral, yeah. friend, and then we pick up the star this week, and there's a wonderful photo of him, and uh, the marvellous contribution he made through, he made to uh, country life outside in the middle of Dundrum, in, you could say in the real rural heart of Tipperary mm-hmm. and doing the golf club and uh, all of that. And they formed a guard of honour there for us on the Saturday uh, and that I met them all, friend. They were absolutely delighted that we spoke about Hosty. That's right. I, uh, I met them on Saturday as well. And, and what a lovely service with, with Father Jim there, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, with your Father service, Jim. Yeah. yeah, Father Jim is one of the old stock himself yeah. and Hosty and Peter Sullivan and anymore. They go back a long way. Indeed, yeah. their trips to the matches in Cork and, and Tipperary and Lim Tullis and Limerick and the whole lot. And Osti would always finish up with the the, the old Bog Road. Yes, uh, it was one of his favourite songs, you know. And uh, you'd meet him about his weddings and to thought, Jakey's lads, how are you doing? I know. You know, or I how know. are they all down in Golden and that? He had a word for everybody. And, and he and, treated everybody the very same, you know. Oh, you have, you have yeah. no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, uh, well, I won't say he treated them all the same because Tony Coney, when he sat down to the dinner, there, he always got an extra slice of beef. <laughs> I saw Tony there actually on, 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 on Saturday. Did you hear Derry Ryan singing on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely unbelievable, you know. And, I mean, really. uh, friend, we left there then early on Friday evening and we went to uh, Jerry Minehan's funeral yes, in Clanmel, yeah. friend. And there yeah. uh, we met many publicans, Noel Ryan and a nice load more of them there as well. And Babs Keaton was ahead of us because uh, of uh, Jerry's contributions to the Tipperary yeah. GA scene and the supporters club and all of that. And look, when you walk in and you see the photos of uh, uh, Jerry with the family and uh, the grandchildren and they all there sitting on his lap and that I, it would certainly make you lonesome to think that yeah. gone from our midst again is uh, Jerry Mine and you know it's a wonderful uh, establishment down there and of course Franny, the, the right thing to do was go home immediately but we didn't because we went to Gleason's there just in uh, nearly uh, under the West Guard or the, whatever you call Main it Guard, yeah, yeah. Main Guard and yeah. then uh, we adjourned then to Carey's in Irish Town where everybody seems to think that you're a perfect gentleman <laughs> and that I'm the greatest <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Those people know uh, their stuff, Johnny. I can tell you. <laughs> they do, yeah. I met a fellow called Mr. Scott. 
from uh, all the way from Mullinahone. He's domiciled in, around the Shore Island end of Clanmel there for a long number of years. He said to give him a shout out, and that we're certainly doing. Uh, and that, and of course, Fran, to come home then, we came home by uh, Nelly's and Bench, uh, and they're the same to talk again, Fran. Look, hey, it is wonderful to be able to visit their establishments and see how life is going on because the evenings now, Fran, are very long. I mean, from five o'clock in the evening, they are looking until you go to bed at maybe 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock, like a long bloody night someday. Oh, for for, for sure. Speaking of pints, I was in uh, Fian's in Cashel yesterday. I met my lovely uh, daughter there. Well, the pint of Guinness was one of the best pints I've had in years, I have to say. It was Big God, I see where Cashel cleaned up in the uh, Tip FM Awards as well with Bailey's, and yeah. there was uh, uh, three or four others there, mm. you know, uh, there that, uh, and the same thing uh, around, oh, I was in Healy's, Brendan Healy's, mm. He's the artisan butcher in Bencher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, they, they won a prize as well. They did, yeah. yeah. And he, he told me yesterday when I was in there, <laughs> or, or yesterday, that they weren't more to have skins on Wednesday. <laughs> the day after. <laughs> he said, it was a wonderful night. They really yeah. enjoyed it and fair play to them. And, of course, friend, uh, uh, this Sunday then we have the War of the Roses, Kilfeekle and Clan William. That's yeah. in Clan at 2 o'clock. Uh, they'll be looking for a bit of support in there. It's always a, a, a tremendous game where both packs give their all. Yesterday, friend, we had Jordan to Tullus as well. The races were on there. They had some tremendous racing, a cold, a cold day, admittedly, but we were well tugged out for it and uh, met uh, wonderful people there. And, of course, on Thursday next, we have the uh, Clonmel Isle Chase in, in uh, Powerstown. That's right. their big meeting on Thursday next. That goes ahead around maybe 1 o'clock or 1.30. It's always the biggest day, the calendar day of the year down there. And... Uh, that so uh, I'm just looking here, friend. Uh, the Tumivera GA Club on Sunday, which is next tomorrow day after tomorrow or Sunday yes. Sunday at uh, one thirty. They have a sale of work in the GA grounds and expecting a good crowd to uh, come there. It's a fundraiser for for the Tumivera GA Club. Uh, that goes ahead at one thirty. In the best of luck to them. Uh, the Anor uh, Hotel. They, I just see on the stair, I think they won four or five hotel awards. Uh, and I'm not surprised after seeing them in action on the Tuesday night. Uh, hotel awards of every kind, uh, certainly well done to them. And, of course, uh, you know the, 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 the Crow Link is there as well with Deirdre and her husband. Oh, that's right, Deirdre, yes, right, friend, that's right. Yeah. Fantastic, and yeah, great work. Friend, a girl rang me last night called uh, Teresa Corbett. Hmm. She's there in Tullis. Hmm. Uh, she, if you want the page... Glitz and Groove, G L I T Z dash G R O V G R O V or G R O V Groove. They have a big night on the second of December, the Saturday night. It's in the dome in Tullus at seven o'clock sharp. It's in aid of the palliative care services in the com- in the community hospital of the Assumption and also Surehaven. Uh, they're trying to do a retreat area in the garden for the palliative uh, cases. Brilliant. So that's yeah. a wonderful cause, dear friend. We'll talk about it again because their father, Jimmy Purcell, I think it is, and many more top uh, uh, entertainers there on the night. Uh, if you go into the, uh, the, that thing, Glitz and Groove fundraiser, uh, you'll come across because, friend, the palliative care is certainly uh, uh, worthy of all our support. Teresa Carb, uh, you, can all, you can get tickets in Biles shop in Tullus and uh, you can contact uh, Teresa Carbett on 087 6250 258.
or you can contact Josephine Ryan on 086 081 5355 uh, and that these are wonderful causes and of course friend mentioning greats as I do at this time of the year always it is very hard to believe that uh, another year has gone it's the uh, the 31st uh, anniversary of one of Tipperary's in my book finest sports people and a character of which uh, sadly gone out of many parishes the late great Dick Ryan that greyhound noble greyhound trainer from Goals Cross uh, to think that he's gone 31 years friend it's unbelievable you know uh, uh, he was the man that crossed the waters uh, there only with a modest minor van uh, to uh, bring back the Waterloo Cup on three occasions to that lovely neck of the woods in Goals Cross indeed they put up a monument to him there and why not I remember friend uh, uh, saying that uh, it's the uh, 6th of November in the year of 92 and I have a sad story to tell unto you about the man that we called the boss his name was Dick Ryan and he hailed some goes cross uh, then we went on then to say a few more lines and we finished up by saying we thank the Ryan families for what you have done the courses you've lost and the courses you've won victory and defeat you've took in your stride that is the truth I have not lied and may that green sod of Clenalty lie gently tonight on the man who always enjoyed the fight on the man who enjoyed the thrill of the chase there'll never be anyone to tie his lace and now that you you've crossed that great line thanks for the memories the one only the great Dick Ryan uh, well done well done <laughs> yeah. I remember walking across that day from the church uh, in Clonolty and uh, Billy uh, Billy Hayes from Dunnesky the Undertaker just said to me is there anybody around uh, to say a few lines he says, we can't bury Dick without somebody saying something. Just I said, I'll put something together, I said. So anyway, I went over to uh, uh, the bar across the road and went in, they knocked on the door and got in, lads, a buyer on a pencil, and I wrote a few lines. <laughs> on, so on, the day, on the day, on the day. On the day, sorry. <laughs> Fair play. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Hey, friend, look, he was one of those, uh, it looks easy to write about somebody that's one of those uh, wonderful characters, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. Friend, you, you see yourself back through the years there, I mean, even in Cashel or my Kirky, uh, there, there was wonderful uh, characters inside. But are inside. we losing them all, Johnny? I mean, you know, we spoke about Jerry and Osti there and Dick and, you know... That's um, right, yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're hanging in there. Fair play, oh, you're hanging in there. Yeah. Years ago, I'll finish on this, above and the new houses in Golden on the, on the green. And most people, they are, uh, this is back a long, a long time ago, they had uh, goats and... Uh, uh, of course, uh, there was a fellow coming around from Cashel uh, at that time collecting blackberries in the sweet gallons. You know the sweet gallons? I do, indeed. I remember indeed, you do. Yeah. Well, there was a fellow in Gordon who used to go up and collect the goat's gardens. And he'd top them up with the blackberries. <laughs> stop, stop, <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Are you and serious? Your man, your man had healed the whole lot. <laughs> in, and I asked my dad a lot to mess him, where were they going? He said, they were going to the army. <laughs> and I said, how, how did they get on? He said, they shot down everything. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, and were, 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 were they paid by weight or something? Was that what it was? You're really getting into the niche. Ah, that's very now. good. That's very good. <laughs> but, uh, family friend, that's Ripley's belief. I don't give two hoots whether you believe it or don't believe it, but hmm. that genuinely happened. Oh, I believe anything that happens in Golden. <laughs> anything at all. Did you want to speak about what's happening out in, in uh, Israel and Gaza? And, uh... As your friend, the whole thing is confusing, isn't it? 
Tis, I mean, like, it's complex, it's an absolute, right, yeah. dis- look, it's an absolute disgrace and scandal and the whole lot. But is there any use or any point in, we'll just say, senators are watching last night on the television in the Dáil and they're standing mm. up and they're making speeches and the whole lot. It's not right and we should do this and we should do that. But I wonder, it, would I carry more weight? <laughs> you probably you know, would. I um, you know, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, we all state it's a disgrace, but what can we actually do? We have to expect the heavyweights. I mean, where's our president in America now and the presidents of Germany and France and well, all in, those In fairness, though, in fairness to Leo Varadkar, he was in Korea over the last few few days, but he did come out and speak. Uh, I mean, unlike any other European leader, he has said some very strong stuff, and I'd imagine he'll pay a price for it, because he said that what Israel is doing in Gaza now resembles something more approaching revenge. That's right, yeah. Very, very strong stuff, you know. Yeah, and Frank, it reminded me of myself playing Holland years ago. <laughs> how, how, how did that remind you of you playing Hurley? <laughs> I felt it hit me a slap. And except the Tracys, it was revenge against everybody else. Because if you gave a slap against the Tracys, you got it back on the double. But so that was John Tracys, that wonderful neck of the woods up there in Halliford. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, friend, yeah. Tis, once it goes to revenge, then in this particular case, it's a different scenario. Yeah. Uh, where, where we have spoken about it there for a number of times, you see the small kids and tears yeah, in their sure eyes. That's, that's what it is. Children you know, are dying here. You know, it is unbelievable. It's... But, like, I don't know, we say, like, Leo Varadkar can come out strong and the whole lot, but... Mm. What is that doing for it? I mean, like, who's going to... They're not tuned into Tip FM or RTE no. to say Leo Varadkar said this and this. They didn't give two hoots about Leo Varadkar. You know, that's but, right. But, but still, I mean, what? Yeah, I don't know. But but you know, for him to come out and like that's being very widely reported now because, as I say, no other European leader is speaking out like that. You know. Yeah. Well, I presume I would hope they are, friend. And mm. friend, there's not a geek at the moment or a screech mm. about uh, Ukraine and uh, Russia. Very little. Very little, for sure. You know, is it still going on, or have they called the truth? That oh no, it's it's very much still going on. But isn't that amazing? The way you know something else happens, and then all of a sudden the front pages are are different, you know. That's right, yeah. You know. And, and please, God, uh, uh, You must have found that after the hearty cup that you lost uh, in, <laughs> in the 1970s, that you you were the talk of the place and then you lost, that was it then. People That's forgot right, about yeah. you. Yeah. All I got out of it was a fine-looking board, or a fine-looking girl, <laughs> uh, and, and she's still with me today. That's all I got out of it. Ah, well, that's, that's something, you know. That's something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. well, Jerome White is, is tuned into you. Do you know that? I do, of course, in, in Cork, yeah. yeah. Hello, Cork, Jerome, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, he's and fair play to him every weekend. He comes back to see his beloved King Cormac playing the hall and goes off with Tommy Grogan. And oh, if we uh, they'd always try and avoid me because they know well that uh, uh, that I'd have a driver and that we'd be heading for uh, such a local, let it be Glasheen's or the ship or whatever the case may be. They'd always they'd, they'd always keep out of the the, the out of my way. They're, they're right they're, too. They're right too. <laughs> yeah. you, you were sadly missed, by the way, in the Roundhill Bar last Saturday because people came there expecting you to be there, seeing that you said you might drop in. Oh, Jesus, yeah, friend, and I'll tell you one thing, didn't, didn't I look? But I wasn't too far away, wasn't I, in coffees in the stook. Yeah, but you could have come up because uh, then again, Timmy Floyd didn't turn up either, so, you know, what can oh, I say? Jesus. Oh, well, <laughs> I think Floyd is afraid of you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So, Liz Rona tonight, Johnny. 
Let's run it tonight, friend, please, God. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to give it a, a, a mend up and see what's going on. Uh, that, um, look, I always find that it's a wonderful night, uh, uh, the first Friday in each month. They have to go and see how it is done. And mm. that, you know, and you, you meet wonderful uh, sellers around from all the various yeah, clubs. And, and do you, do you say a few words, or what do you do? Uh, I. I, I, I I do, yeah, now and again, you know, I certainly right. do. And I, you know, I'll probably, but of course, we have a tremendous chairman there, Joe Kennedy, uh, mm. and all his entourage, you know, they're mm. well able to uh, speak and that and thank everybody and that. But uh, Rockwell Rovers, regretfully, you didn't win the care. Oh, Lord. It, it, did the draw happen? It did. I did, and they had a good few ah, tickets in, fair play God to them, and the facilities now will be top class. After me spending say, 25 euro, I didn't win yeah, that Yeah, I did say either. to one of them, and they said, look, if Brand doesn't come out, he can walk the, the new uh, uh, walkway in uh, Rockwell Rover's Peak. All right, that uh, makes me feel much it. better. Yeah, he can walk it four or five times and he will feel an awful lot better. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I won't feel better. Ah, oh, Lord. I, no. I was definitely banking on winning that car. Anyway. Oh, friend, uh, yesterday I met fellow Jimmy O'Donnell. Did you? How, how is he? How is he? Oh, uh, sure, Jesus. Uh, well, I'd love to put the two of you up on a weighing scale. Uh, now, now, don't start that again. <laughs> you had to admit I lost weight the last time you saw me. Oh, my God, you did, yeah. yeah. And he, 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 well, he, I, I, I know I said it before, but fellow Jimmy said when he went from uh, Canalty to, to uh, my glass, a wonderful parish bottom where he says, but I put on five kilo in two weeks down in, in my glass, he says. And when I when I went to commune and down there then, and he asked to give me the commune, and he said, if I'd known you were here, he says, I'd have got you to say a few words because they don't listen to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, you've made another mistake, Johnny. Is somebody telling me it's Ras Rona, not Liz Rona? So Jesus, they're all the one. He that's down to technicalities. In my book, there's only one pub there anyway, between right. Killinar, or between Clanmel and, and Feddot. You come out to Feddot Road and it's there on the left-hand side. You come in from uh, Feddot and it's on the right-hand side on the bend. Right. You can't but see it there. That you, see, you see, there you go again. People just, they love to point out when you get things a little sort of dodgy. But you friend, know? often I'd say that for pure development, I see if anybody listening. Isn't that it again? Of course it is, yeah. I'm just reading, uh, the listener is taking both of us to task and saying that we're getting free pints all around the county by mentioning various folks. I wish, I wish it were true. What? No, well, I look, friend of my, yeah, now and again I do. do. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. I yeah. do, yeah. Oh, I have to pay no, for I, everything. I, I, I'm only telling you confidentially I do because I, I tell the priest in confession, he says, that's okay, he says, keep going at that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> almost say hello to Mrs. Cotton, blowing Mullinahoe, and she's the mother of, oh, I'd say five or six lads that all done the, the, the jersey for Mullinahoe, and she told me that confidentially again that the children's allowance wasn't hectic at the time. And that uh, uh, that uh, all the lads did well. Uh, Alan, really? he was up last night in gold with my young fella, so they had a good old evening. They have no needles restaurant in Thomastown, so and from there then to Sorrell. But you know the usual now. I know, I know the usual. You can't beat North Tips as a listener. The North Tip teams, the South are lucky to have us, says Barry. So there you go. Uh, I got above tonight. Yeah. Well, of course. Uh, you can they concentrate on the hurling up there well still the, the uh, we we play board courts down here friend and I see where one of the Limerick hurlers there uh, was saying that uh, 
just uh, this, you know, this season where they have it for the championship and then it's all back into the club scene and the whole lot. Some of them holders Fran, are playing the whole year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Napierce, yeah. even last weekend, Fran, all the outside of one, in Kilkenny, the outside of one, uh, in Limerick, Napierce one, in, in Tipperary, uh, uh, Kildangan one, and above in Dublin, uh, Nafina, uh, they won all the outside of one last weekend. But uh, as regards the, the open and close season, I don't know, Fran, I, I, I don't know what is the perfect answer. I mean, like the club scene is supposed to be the backbone of the GA, and still they don't uh, start their championship until maybe the last week of July or the first week in August and you have to try and get a coach then in March and maybe give him a few bob for travelling up and down and sometimes the teams are way too fit like they're, they're too anxious for the game of hurling when it starts off then in, in late July or, or the first week in August I do not know what the answer is because they'll probably be asking me tonight at the county they probably will draw. so you want to prepare your answer Jody says stop talking about Franz wait Johnny is like a rasher himself and it's better to have a proper figure so there you go better to say there you are than where are you look, yeah. look after yourself Johnny I, uh, talk to you soon Bye. Right, Frank, she's just after coming back in from Mass, so I better get off the phone. I hope she said a prayer for me as well, Johnny. <laughs> Hello, Catherine. Good luck, <laughs> good luck, good luck Johnny. <laughs> Bye-bye. That's uh, Johnny there in the Fourpenny Road. All right, we'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Now some good news. A London-based investment fund has confirmed a deal with a local project. Uh, Foresight Energy Infrastructure Partners will be joining up with Sega Hydro to develop a new pumped storage hydro plant in the silver mines and deputy alan kelly joins me now alan good morning to you good morning friend uh, good to talk to you today i think we spoke about this as far back as 2015 or so was it yeah it is eight years going um uh it's uh, eight years since darren quinn who's the ceo of sega hydro um who went around and walked up 200 mountains across ireland looking for the best place uh, to build this hydroelectric plant and ended up with the one that was closest to him. He lives in Ballina, ended up in the silver mines. It has gone through a huge amount of work. Um, it's got PCI status, which is Project Common Interest as in Europe. It has since got 4.3 million from the European Commission um, from a planning point of view. But without a shadow of a doubt, um, this is the biggest milestone in this project. What, what does with, this mean exactly, this kind of investment? What, what does this mean to the project, on it? Well, I met with Foresight uh, Energy Infrastructure Partners with Darren Quinn um, over a year ago, and they were very interested in developing this project. Uh, this project, as you know, will bring 300 uh, megawatts of flexible storage uh, to Ireland. We all know we have lots of wind, uh, but we need to store it in a battery, mm. and this creates a battery there will be two reservoirs, uh, and um, basically it will store energy overnight. Um, this is a huge project. Uh, you know, we're talking well over 450 to 550 million. Um, it's a project that's needed for Ireland. Uh, but what's happened is this, is that this needed massive investment, and Foresight have come on board uh, to do that, and I want to thank them. I met with them. Uh, they're a London-based organisation. They have... Um, a huge investment vehicle behind them, and they have now decided that this project is the project they want to support in Ireland. And it's it's the most important milestone in this project. 
is, is something that I'm very proud of. I want to thank Darren Quinn. I want to thank Foresight. Um, I want to thank my local councillor Fiona Bonfield for her support, Liam Gleeson, who has been up in the Silvermines mm-hmm. and all the Silvermines community. Um, there will be public engagement on this over the next year. Um, the company will be companies will be setting up the project. Companies will be setting up an office in the locality in the next few weeks. Um, they uh, will be meeting with the public up in uh, the Silver Mines first, of course, who have been very supportive. And they'll be going for planning over the next 18 months, which is a huge planning application that goes straight on board for all that. And all that going all well, which uh, given the fact that the government supports this, it meets all our climate change requirements, uh, you know, all our energy requirements, renewables. Uh, it's hoped that this will be up and running by uh, 2030. And in terms of employment, for instance, uh, locally... Yeah, so there will be a huge amount of employment locally, particularly in the construction phase, uh, because this is a massive project. A lot of specialised uh, work, but to be large contractors on site who do major infrastructural projects. And then once it's up and running, I suppose there will be an, quite a, a number of uh, uh, jobs as well, the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think, being honest about it, there's added potential here. Effectively, this will become a tourist attraction as well because, you know, there's only one other one in Ireland. Um, this is uh, it's going to be it's going to be a major, major, major uh, project for our area. It's going to um, clean up a site that I've, uh, you know, the silver mine, uh, you know, mining went on there for yeah. 600 years. My own family were down the mine. Um, they, um, so I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of personal interest in this. Um, and, you know, for the local people, this will help clean up uh, what was the site that was left after Mogul closed in the early 80s. So this is a massive, massive day. Uh, I'm so delighted. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, did the, was the project going to go ahead? Mm. Mm. A lot of work has gone into this down through the years. And fair play to Darren Quinn and his team for persisting with it. And also thanks to uh, the very county council, the Department of Environment and Climate Change, and to many people who have, you know, being involved in the project down through the years. That's very good news indeed. Um, and speaking of good news, Musical Theatre Academy in Nina, more success last night, I think. Well, Fran, I'm pulled in just off the M7 motorway with my daughter, Ava Kelly, uh, beside me in the car. She is part of Musical Theatre um, uh, Academy Nina, and they won the All-Ireland Variety Show last night. And I just wanted to, on this occasion, congratulate them. It's their second one in a row. An incredible achievement. I mean, the talent was unbelievable last night from across the country. And uh, Stephanie Brown um, and uh, Marie Long, what incredible people they are to put all of this together. And to thank also the younger uh, group as well who participated yesterday, did very well. Uh, but to win the All Ireland Talent Show, to Fantastic. win uh, yeah. the, this variety show two years in a row. It's just an amazing achievement for a group that has been in place, I suppose, uh, six or seven years. Uh, they work out the Scout Hall, which of great affection for help rebuild many years ago. Mm, mm. And, um, you know, young people, um, they just, it's amazing what they can do, acting, dancing, singing, choreographed dancing. It's just incredible. Um, it was a great experience. And... Um, no, just very proud of them all and uh, their achievement last night. And, was, and, uh, and well done to all the parents and uh, supporters who uh, who were with them and who have brought them along. This takes years and years of practice, friend. You're in the business. You know how it works. 
I've got it uh, too, but well done to them because, but doesn't it do wonders for their confidence and, and everything else as well outside of the music? And yeah, the and, it was, yeah. And, and they all have yeah. different talents, different strengths, and uh, it was just, I mean, I've seen them perform before, obviously, but it was just amazing last night to be up against the best in Ireland. And, you know, when it was announced that they wanted to see uh, uh, Stephanie and Mara uh, go up and collect the prize, and for all the young people then and kids to just run on stage and that was just a great experience and, uh, you know, the people of Nina and Throne should be very, very, very proud of them today. Well, that's... Uh, because that's, they're an amazing group. That's for sure. Alan, good to talk to you today and safe journey. One last thing. One yeah, last sure. Thing, mm. I just want to acknowledge, you know, Nina Ormond's rugby club, a club I'm very closely associated yeah. with. Billy McNamara, oh, who was yeah. a former president and very much involved, by the way, in the Scouts Hall and sure. in the Coral Society, passed away last week. But, but yesterday, Dinny Butler... Uh, a good friend of mine uh, who was also a former president. So the club has lost two former presidents in the space of a week. And uh, there were gentlemen, there were fantastic people who brought a lot of people through the club. I just wanted to acknowledge their passing uh, on the show today. Uh, Thank you for giving me the time. All right, no no problem. Uh, Safe journey home to you. Thanks, uh, Alan. Deputy Alan Kelly speaking to us this morning. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Muriel Cuddy in her health slot yesterday spoke to us about the dangers as she sees it of vaping and now we're hearing that a growing number of GAA clubs are banning vaping on their grounds as concerns grow about the use of e-cigarettes. My old friend Peter Ryan joins me now. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? I'm very well indeed, Peter. Lovely to talk to you again. Um, You you were a smoker at one stage, Peter, um, but you're completely again the notion of vaping, I think. Um, yeah, I was um, I was actually fairly good at smoking, uh, friend. You know, if I put my mind to something, I give it a good shot. So I was fond of my major back. Major, for wow. a lot of okay. years. I get twenty five years at him. How how many a day uh, would you have smoked, Peter? Uh, well, <clears throat> I tell you the truth, but it all depends the pressure of the day. Mm. My my good friend, Paul John Condon, he was sitting in the van with me, and someone that have ten of them smoked by ten o'clock, and he he said, Peter, the problem can't be that bad, like you know. Wow. So. Yeah. I wonder how he actually sat in the van. The smell of me must have been absolutely <laughs> atrocious. So, Yeah, and I, how, how did you give them up, by the way? Was it cold turkey, or did you get help with it, or what? Well, I had, um, first of all, I had my kids completely annoying me and nagging me and mm. pissing me off. And mm. uh, my youngest daughter was born, and um, I used to be inside walking in people's houses, coughing and spluttering and mm. tearing until 11, 12 o'clock in the day. So I just made the decision that I would call it a day. So one evening coming back from work, I threw what was left in the box out the window and never put a cigarette in my mouth since. Well, fair play to you because I don't smoke, but I mean, I hear from friends of mine that, you know, it's incredibly difficult to, to do that. Yeah, it's, you see, it's the way, the way people are going about it, Frank. Mm. I suffered for three months, four months. It was just uh, like, you know, raw beige, couldn't sleep everything uh, but if you went on the patches when at any of that rubbish stuff it would just keep you addicted and keep you in so I just said you can't smoke if you don't put a cigarette in your mouth and that's the only way of stopping it well, fair play to you so you know, vaping then Peter what are you, what are you making of vaping 
Well, I'd say if I was if I was a stay major there was when I started smoking, I'd give a good shot at the vapes as well, like yeah, you know. So yeah. um, I am not um, really totally against vaping, but mm. I believe the damage they're doing, uh, Fran, is uncred- incredible. Yeah. So when I knew I was coming on here now to speak about this, I actually done a small bit of research by asking people that smoked and vaped and that. Mm. And one of them, actually, Rory, a lovely man, he, he filled me, he filled me in off lot on what was going on. And he, he told me, if the juice of the vape fell on your lip or that, it actually burns you. He said, it's worse than having petrol on your lip. Like, you're mm-hmm. smoking this stuff. So that can't be good. It burns you if it... Yes, yeah, he told me I was... I, now, is I, that because of the temperature or the content of the liquid? It's the content, obviously. He said, uh, no, I said, what do you mean, burn you? He said, it's, it's um, the, 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 the liquid that comes out of it that actually creates the vape in that. He said, if that falls on your lip, it's like getting a burn from, we'll say, petrol or stuff like that, you know? Good God. And, 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 and this chap now is a smoker as well. So he said, there's... Yeah. There, 50 times more addictive than cigarettes. And we're hearing about kids in school now, young kids, 12, 13, 14, that are vaping every day. So you'd wonder about the long-term effects of that, Peter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be... You see, there are no research done into it. There are no really to just... Sure, like, if it's not a phone shop that you have in the middle of your town now, it's a vaping shop. A vaping like, shop, you know, yeah. they seem to be the only things that... Um, are going anywhere right in the now, country. Now, in saying so. that, Peter, I have to say that I've had people on the programme here who have swore to me that only for vaping they'd never gotten off the cigarettes, so I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, that's okay, Fran, but maybe they'd be better off on the cigarettes. The vape is probably doing more damage. Yeah. Because the vape is, the vape is something, it's probably as well as your lungs, it's affecting your, it's your stomach, it's a lot of different stuff, like, you know. So, and, and your friends uh, that you've been talking to, mm. Are they kind of addicted to vaping now, do they you think? way more. Wow. Because, we'll say, if you light a cigarette, you'll give two or three minutes smoking it, and then you put it away and you won't have a, another cigarette maybe for a half an hour, three quarters of an hour, an hour, whatever. Hmm. But you have the vape in the hand the whole time. So you have a vape every maybe two minutes. And, and this is not... They're not just using the vape as a cigarette. They're not taking it out of their pocket every half an hour or an hour and going having a vape. It's in their hand the whole time. All you look time. at anyone vape. I know. Yeah. I know. The vape uh, yeah. is in the hand the whole time, and they're they're vaping away. And uh, and like some of these jokes are like fucking trains. They fill the place when they when they exhale or that. You and know, do so. you worry about the second hand, the passive element of this as well? Uh, look, at my age, I don't worry about anything like that, friend. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I don't know about that side of it. I I I have no problem sitting with somebody that's vaping beside me. But then again, I have very little problem sitting with anyone that's smoking beside me. So, kind of, I'm yeah, so you, different. You're live, way, live and let live, and all. all yeah, that's as far as you're uh, yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. you do have concerns about the younger people um, constantly well, it's, vaping. It's the addiction. Is, like the, the the people I spoke to now said they'll they'll probably have to go back on the cigarettes to give up smoking. To give up because vaping, you mean, is it? The vaping is much harder to give up, they tell me. Will you stay with me for a moment, uh, Peter, yep. because uh, no William, William is joining the conversation as well. William, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to talk to you today. What What are you making of vaping, uh, William? Look, as Peter's made some very good points there, and, and um, I, I suppose the, the younger people is, is the fear is of what they could be doing to themselves if they're taking a, a vape now and then. If, uh, I don't think it would really be an issue, but... It's the it's the constant holding of the vape, and 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 I suppose you know they are 
they probably are getting addicted to it and, and so look, God only knows what the what the, the, the medical side of it will be in, in years to come. When when we discover that were, were you a smoker at some point, William? Look, I was only a social smoker and I haven't smoked in a long time, but when I was younger when we <coughs> go to the pub on the weekend or whenever you go to a function she'd have to have a fag in your mouth. Just just because that's what everybody was doing at the time, is it? It probably was, yeah. yeah. The kind of, the two go hand in hand. So can I ask you then, because Peter made the point that, you know, if he was a young person starting out, he'd probably be uh, vaping as well because it's the thing to do. Do you think that would be the case with you too? Yeah, I think it would have been, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I think there's no point in saying that you wouldn't be. I I, I think if you're picking up a, a, a pint and, and you're having a pint, you'll have a vape. And I suppose if, if you got a taste of it and got going, you'd probably have it during the day as well. You probably would. Now, there's new legislation coming in where younger people will be stopped from being able to buy these uh, things. Do you think that's a good thing? I do think it's a good thing. I don't think younger people should be on a vape. I think, you know, it's the same as alcohol. You should be at a legal age before you make that choice. But when you see 12 and 13-year-olds, and even yeah. younger, uh, seeing what a vape, look, it's not right, to be fair. Yeah, and it seems to be a fashion statement as well. You know, they have these things around their necks and it's... They, yeah, they look, look pretty and they... Are, are, yeah. yeah, yeah, young people are easier led and I think if, if my friend has it, well, try have to have one too. Yeah. Uh, Peter, do you think that fashion element of it is there too? You know, it's the thing to do and it's the cool thing to do. And... I suppose so, yeah, because, um, like I said, the cool thing to do when I was young was probably to smoke and um, the amount of people that had to put a big effort into, like cigarettes, before they got addicted was was um, amazing but and I think the vaping is the same Fran that um, everyone everywhere you look now especially young people they all have the pink ones and the yellow ones yeah, and the red ones and all the, they love the colours and all of this and the juice that's put into them is, is, is dodgy at times you know yeah, funnily enough, Patsy in Care is agreeing with your friend, Peter, who said about the vape being more addictive than cigarettes even. And yeah. uh, Patsy himself is a is a vape user. So, mm. you know, that's that's kind of interesting, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. It is the, the, the vape, like, there's very little research done into the whole thing and the damage of it and everything. And um, I suppose the, the other thing, part of it, Fran, is the vape is every bit as expensive as smoking. Yeah, maybe mo- maybe more so in some cases, I believe. But yeah, you know, well, I, yeah. like I was uh, asked the same question. I said, financially, are you much better off vaping than you are uh, smoking? Right. And they said no. That a, a vape, I think, is about eight euro. This fill of it or whatever. And I think most people need at least um, two fills of that in the day. In and the that's d- without in going the day nightclubs. In the day. day, yeah. So that's yeah. the so same, the as, same a pa- as a package. Of, yeah. a, a same as a packet of cigarettes. Uh, William, yeah. can I ask you about the GAA aspect of this? Then you know, clubs banning vaping on their grounds. Um, what do you make of that, William? Do you think that that's necessary? Is it a good thing? No, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. If you're, I suppose, trying to improve uh, health, it's a good thing. But um, are you just, you know? Uh, I suppose what you put of just maybe making a hard stance. Um, are you yeah. upsetting people then that are going to the match and, and look, like to take a puff now and then? Um, you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. To me, um, I wouldn't be bothered. It wouldn't bother me uh, either way. And I think bringing in a hard rule, are you turning a few more people off going to a match? 
and there's other people that say if there wasn't people vaping beside me, I go to matches. But I, I just think it's more the first. Um, I, I think actually they should be maybe staying out of that. I think there's there's a bigger concern. I think in GE and sporting circles where maybe people are, are, are taking drugs. And I think that's more of a bigger issue than supporters going to the match having a vape. Um, yeah. uh, Peter, I I'd think love, that's I'd a bigger l- issue to deal with. Yes, William. Uh, Peter, I'd love your opinion on this, Peter, uh, yeah, uh, I, as I, a sporty I, guy yourself. What, what, yeah. what would you make of that? Uh, to just a publicity stunt by the GA. They have got such bad press over the last couple of years with their stopping um, old age pensioners and that paying their fiver at the gate to go in to see club matches and they're trying to bring them to buy something back but this is a ridiculous idea because what do you do stand at the gate and take the vapes off of everyone and then what do you do if a person smokes instead of vapes yeah how do you police like, this yeah this is crazy stuff yeah uh, i have no problem with the ga banning vapes inside in the dressing room or, or that but, but on the sideline that's crazy stuff it is mad. Now, in, in like, fairness, you know, this, this doesn't seem to be a directive coming from HQ. This, these are individual clubs, you know, implementing this yeah, themselves. Yeah, uh, you, you find that in clubs that there's certain one or two maybe want to inflict their, um, their opinion on everyone without really, um, you know, going doing a bit of research on it. It's right. But, but you make a very interesting vape. point. How in the name of God would you police this? And if somebody <laughs> vapes, do you walk up to them and remove them from the grounds? And then are you into a legal situation? I, I don't know how you could do this. Yeah, no, it's just it's just a publicity stunt. Just it's only another yeah. will, uh, William, distraction. William, a publicity stunt? What do you what do you make of that? Yeah, I, I would have to go 100% along with that. I, I just think it's, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Right. You, you couldn't police it. Is that... Is that... No. No, like, again, as as Peter said, how would you walk up to someone? And are you legally, are you legally allowed? Um, if you can vape and you're allowed to vape in a pub and all indoor places, why why, why would you remove someone from from an outdoor facility? Right, and on what basis could you do that? I, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'd have to 100 percent agree. Yeah. Right, it's very interesting. Peter and William, thank you so much indeed for coming on with us today. Great to talk to you both. No bother, Frank. Thanks, Mel. How about you? Know, that's uh, William and uh, my old friend Peter Ryan there uh, as well. Um, some listener reaction to this. If the Green Party were serious about the agendas that they're pushing, they'd be looking for an outright ban on disposable uh, vapes. Uh, somebody else saying the vape juice lasts more than a week. It's way cheaper than buying a box of cigarettes a day, says one of our listeners. Somebody else saying it's not true that the vape is as expensive as cigarettes. I spend 30 euro every six weeks on vapes as opposed to 17 euro a day on cigarettes. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Now, many people on to us about vaping and uh, the like. Uh, Patrick says, I'm sticking to the fags, Fran. No vaping for me. I didn't know you smoked, Patrick, but how are you? Um, somebody else saying, I gave up smoking two years ago by switching to vaping. I was spending €65 Euro a week on cigarettes. Now I buy the juice at €20 
euro month. Uh, the eight euro vapes are the disposable ones, is one of our listeners. Somebody else saying, my husband is a non-smoker but has asthma. He always found people smoking very difficult, but he finds people vaping indoor causes him to choke. Isn't that very interesting now? Um, okay, lots more in on vaping. It's not true that uh, the vape is as dear as cigarettes. I spend uh, 30 euro every six weeks on vapes as opposed to 17 euro a day. Another listener, Fran, the GAA are correct to ban vaping. Excuse me, on the sideline, it will be hard to police, but if it's against the rules, people who vape will be frowned upon by the general public and will feel the pressure to stop. It will eventually uh, be like smoking. It will become a taboo, says one of our listeners. All right, so lots more in on that on 083-311-3311. Now, most Irish people prefer a traditional bank to a digital alternative survey has found out the state of Irish banking report from WISE. And WISE, that's a, kind of an online banking platform that allows you to send money abroad and the like. Anyway, they found that 51% of Irish people have more confidence in a traditional bank when it comes to handling my money fairly, with only 15% picking WISE or Revolut. Now, there was also widespread satisfaction on whether Irish banks offer... Um, Adequate uh, digital banking services. 42% agreed they do. A further 16 strongly agreed that they do. Pat joins me now. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. You think the pillar banks are getting a bit of a run for their money, though, Pat, do you? Uh, I do indeed, uh, Frank, yeah. Because, um, like, if you look at the... the, 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 the we'll just take the, the pillar banks at the moment. They have a, a habit of closing down banks, mm. like I did for the... Uh, a bank here in, in, in our own town. And now we have to go to Clonmel if you want to do uh, a lodgement. Yeah. Just take, for example, if, if you had a bit of cash or something to lodge in, which is kind of rare these days. But still, you have to go to, to, to Clonmel. But you can't meet anybody there. It's either you're, you're pushed towards a machine or you're pushed in towards a, just a clerk to take the money and that's it. Send in your card, bring in your money. You can't speak to anybody. Uh, as regards your finances, uh, if you do want to do anything like that, you have to go on the phone and ring somebody above in Dublin, and uh, they make a decision whether you uh, have enough in your bank to qualify for a loan or whatever the case may be. So, so the the personal thing is taken out of it, really, then, Pat. Isn't personal it? thing is taken out of it. Like years ago, you go into the bank, you have a chat with the bank manager, yeah. or whatever the case may be. Or, or and he, he knew it. you, and he knew your family, and or she knew they you. Knew the whole, they knew the whole shooting yeah. gallery, and they yeah. knew exactly to see the white of your eyes, you yeah. know, which is important. But like, if you look at it nowadays, um, I've seen that 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 Bank of Ireland have have that's the bank that I deal with, the Bank of Ireland, the act that they have, they're trying to. To, to bring it towards uh, more uh, more of a digital platform, mm. right, in line with what Revolut have done. Now, I'm surprised with the, the wise um, um, survey. Because yeah, because they're talking against themselves, really, aren't they? Really, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, if you look at it, just, just, uh, I just looked up this last night, and there's 2 million users of Revolut in this country. Wow. 2 million. Are you and serious? And they only here since 2015. Yeah. Um, now, when they were in 2015, they were a Lithuanian bank. They still are a Lithuanian bank, but now they have to be governed by the, the Central Bank mm-hmm. of Ireland yeah. and are licensed to, to, to carry out a business here in this country. But if you look at Revolut, what Revolut have done effectively is they've shaken up the banking system. You know, uh, we just take, for example, that, 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 that what do you call it, this competitive exchange rate. Mm-hmm. 
Like if you buy, which a lot of people do this time of the year now, they'll be buying, say, from whatever, the abroad, we'll say, right? And they're buying through PayPal. Yeah. But if you get, if you pay PayPal through your ordinary pillar bank in this country here, the exchange rate is roughly nearly a dollar to the euro. There's not much difference in it, right? Yeah. But you pay through Revolut. There's a competitive exchange rate. You could save an awful lot of money by just paying through Revolut, for example. You see, right. most people aren't... I, I must admit, Pat, I'm an awful dope about money. I, I didn't realise that, for example, even though I have Revolut and I have my online bank. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you look at, say, you buy something... We'll just take, for example, you buy something for €20 Euro in, yeah. in, in, in PayPal and you're buying it because most of the, the companies that are overseas are now dealing with the dollar. Yes. But they won't deal with the euro. They're dealing with the dollar, right? So if they, you say pay the dollar, and next thing you'll say that uh, it, it's converted on the PayPal uh, interface mm. into euro. And you'll see there's not much difference between the, the euro and the dollar. There is a, a small bit. But if you pay by PayPal, there's a considerable saving. Do, in, do you mean if you pay by Revolut? Oh, sorry, you pay by Revolut. Revolut, yes. You link your Revolut card to, to PayPal and you pay that way. It's a, it's a considerable saving. You know? So uh, that's one aspect of it. Um, and and tell me this for my own interest, because I, I was often wondering why I can't pay for online purchases by Revolut, but are you saying you have to link that to PayPal? Link your, 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 your Revolut card to PayPal. Now, what you can also do is that you can have which, which they have now, is they have a, a virtual card and they also have a one-off card, you, one user, one, sorry, one use, single-use right. card. And if, if, you, if you have a Revolut account, you can access that, is that it? You can access that, yeah. You okay. can set that up if you go into your app and you go to cards and you can have your single-use card. So if you thought you were buying something on, online, which this day and age is, is just, it's volatile, yeah. sending out your ordinary card, say, know, from the pillar yeah. Okay, they're, they're fairly smart in, in picking up the things. But what Revolut have is they have a lot of checks and balances as regards the card. They know that your we'll just take for example that your geolocation is on the is on is, is when you're using your card mm. as well. So they know the kind of they have these checks and balances as they may come back. We think there's a fraudulent transaction on your account. Do you wish to you know yes. this go through or whatever? And you you authorize it on your on your app. The, the single-use card is where you're, you're buying something online, say, overseas, and you can single-use. You can just use it once, and that's it. It will never be used again. All right, you so you, you transfer the amount of money into that one-use one no, card. No, 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 you can use it from your, you use it from your Revolut account. Okay, you know, right, just yeah. an extra card on your account. You know. Mac, this is a complete education for me because I'll, I'll have to work this out because I'm always careful about using my normal debit card or credit card online. As you say, Pat, it's it's dodgy to be using it. Well, it's dodgy. I, yeah. I like and an awful lot of the young people nowadays are, are, are like, they never had the, 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 the experience of going into a pillar bank and meeting a bank manager right. or meeting a clerk behind yeah. the counter or meeting the assistant manager or whatever the case may mm. to discuss their finances and get advice or whatever whatever use it is or bad use it is over the years. But at least they, they, they had a face-to-face. Now what they're doing, everything is digital, everything is fast. Yeah. Even your application for a mortgage now is online. You know, it's you, you don't meet anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, the thing about these is that, that even with the Revolut app, there are 2 million users since 2015. That's, and this that's was incredible. a Lithuanian bank. That's incredible. They've only got, authorised by the Central Bank of, of Ireland in the last, I'd say, two years or so. And yet they have 2 million users inside because it's easy set up. You know, uh, it's easy yeah. to set up, but they also, you have to 
send in your documentation, like your uh, passport photo and your address and proof mm. of address and all that type of like the normal thing, you know. Yeah, so, so, there, so there is a security uh, to it, obviously. There is, is a security. Yeah. Now, while traditional banks have their own strengths, revenues, and there's another one there as well, the N26, they cater to the changing needs and preferences of a digitally-minded generation, which we have nowadays, yeah. offers greater uh, convenience, flexibility, and cost-effectiveness. Now, as I said about the cost-effectiveness, if you're buying on, on, online and you're buying using your PayPal, which is a kind of a secure way of, of, of paying for your product as mm. well, but link your revenue card to the PayPal, and then if you're paying your 20 euro, you'll see a big difference in, in what the exchange rate is and what PayPal will tell you. Is, isn't problem. that incredible? I had to be, you know, I'm with AIB, Pat, and <laughs> God knows I've had enough to say about AIB over the years, but in fairness, I was dragged kicking and screaming into the online aspect of, of banking uh, with AIB, and I find it very efficient, to be honest with you. Well, the online apps are efficient. Yeah. Like I, 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 have, I would bank Ireland and I do all my transactions online uh, on the app, and it is, it is, it was a traditional banking system, and you do your transfers mm. and whatever the case would be. But like, <laughs> okay, I have the golden years account. You don't pay for transactions. You pay for if you have an overdraft of one, you pay for your interest or whatever the case may be. And I find it is quite good. I can see now that they've changed the app, that they're actually going more into looking at, at what you spent last month and what you spent it on, yes. whether it was fuel or petrol or food or whatever the case may be. That's coming more in line with what uh, like the likes of revenue done. And these are, these are this is putting pressure on the pillar banks. Because I think the pillar banks are getting a run for their money. Like, there's no yeah. Bank of Ireland in Tyson here. You have to go to Tanmel if you want to do a lodgement, as I said to you. And there's no point going to Tanmel if you want to apply for a loan. You'd have to do it online anyway. But, so, Pat, is it not? I mean, as you say, the pillar banks now responding to the online options. But are we looking at less and less face to face transactions than as the absolutely. years go on? I mean, absolutely. it's inevitable, isn't it? It's inevitable. Yeah. Like, you always said that cash is king. Yeah. Right. But if you look at it this way, if you have, if you went into the bank, I went to your bank ATM, and you got say a hundred euro out, guaranteed within a couple of days that hundred euro is gone. And you'd say, what did you spend it on? Yeah. Right. So uh, cash is king. The, the cash is actually taking over your life in that sense because it says, right, I have cash in my pocket. You want to spend it on that product that you're seeing there? It's very easy. But if you have, if you have no cash in your pocket and you're paying by card, it kind of Thinks, you know what I mean? At that, hold on a minute before I before I buy that product, I'm going to hold off for a minute. You know. So do you, do you think so? Because some people would voice the opposition to that, and they'd say it's very very easy to just just tap yeah, the card. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I know that if you're paying somebody's name by cash, but so that day is gone. People are coming down. They want a job done, and they'll they send you an invoice or whatever the case may be. But you still have to pay for it online or whatever, whatever you know. Yeah. What so, would you say to the, the, the digital presence by revenue has going to revolutionise the the, the the banking system inside now? It's about time they got a bit of a shake up, you know. What would you say to a listener who says cash is king by going digital banking? You're handing over control over to uh, the government and marketing and third party businesses because they can all track what you do. Mm, I don't know, but still at the same time, if you look at everything, has to be paid now. Like you get your discount on the, your ESP bill. Uh, by by going direct debit, yeah, you yeah. get your discount on your telephone bill by going direct debit. So like, where are you going to use cash? You know, are you yeah. going to fund the, the the black economy by paying cash? So do you think, Pat? Eventually, are we talking completely cashless? Well, I I presume that that's the way they they would all love us to go. You know, mm. but I don't think we'll see that in, in my lifetime anyway. You know, yeah. um, you know, although there's an awful lot of changes in the in the, the banking system since. Since I started banking, 
Yeah. Back when I was 18 years of age, there's huge changes since then, you know. Um, you know, with the, the, when you walk into the bank, it was, it was, it was, the bank manager was Barkovich. He was, he was, he was, he was the god, and he was inside in a, an office. And if you were brought in there, you're in trouble. You know. Yeah, I know. So, so like, uh, people now don't just don't go into banks. They just go in and use a, 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 an ATM lodging machine. You know, to do the job for them. You know. And so. just finally, Pat, is it for better or or worse? Do you think? Oh, that's a that's a the million dollar question. You know. Um, yeah, because I know people. An awful lot of people say, "If my vintage would prefer to have cash, yeah, and, and cash around." But like, if you you have cash, first of all, if you have cash inside in your your property, right, you're susceptible to being robbed, right? Yeah, that's uh, true. If you, have, you know, that's one one aspect of having the cash. The other aspect of it is that if you have a hundred euros inside in your pocket, you'll say in your own mind after two or three days, "What where did that money go?" <laughs> so uh, it just yeah. was easy to pay cash. You know. And and tell me about security because you spoke about now having to drive a distance if you want to make a lodgement, for example. Does security yeah, bother you? No, I, I'm not. I'm not a shopkeeper or shop owner. I right. wouldn't be travelling to to London to, to do major level. I'm just saying, if you did have a, a few bob just transferred to an account or whatever the case would be, you, you, you'd have to go into London to lodge it. But if you imagine, say, a businessman, a business in 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 in, in the town of Clare yeah. that has cash cash inside the premises, they have to go to London to use it. certainly was an education for me today and I certainly will look into that uh, a little later on. Pat, really good to talk to you and thanks thanks for coming on with us. Thank You're you. welcome. Frank. Thank you. Good, good, good morning to you. That's Pat speaking to us today. All right, let's go back to the vapes and Patsy is uh, with me. Well, is with me now, I think. Patsy, good morning to you. Good morning. And good, good to talk to you today, Patsy. Um, back to the vape using. You're a vapor. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so tell me, tell me about your experience, Patsy. Well, I was quite a heavy smoker and I gave up smoking six years ago uh, or more now maybe and started vaping and um, I'm still vaping. And, and it's definitely you, more addictive. Do you feel addicted to it? Yeah, because you kind of have it in your hands nearly all the time unless you were working or something, you know, that kind of way. And are you vaping Constantly. all of the time then? Apart from if I was working, um, yeah. you know, you just do it on your breaks then, but you would be vaping definitely more uh, all the time nearly going around the house whatever you know that kind of way and was it vaping that got you off the cigarettes in the first place oh it was yeah and definitely it improved my health situation because I used to get very bad chest infections and all that kind of stuff so I kind of think it did me good in some ways um, but it's very hard to get off of it and do you find that vaping has any detri- detrimental effect on your health, for example? I don't really, to be honest with you, okay. compared to what I, when I used to be smoking. I was like always coughing and everything, like a sick and, um, and it's much cheaper, way cheaper. I was going to ask you about that because there was a lot of controversy about what Peter said to us about cost. What, how much would you so, spend as opposed to smoking, for example? 
20 euros a week. Um, but when I was smoking, I think cigarettes were about 15 euros a day at that stage and I was probably smoking. Sometimes I could have smoked, I could spend 30 euros a day, but mainly wow. 15 a day. That's, yeah. that's a lot so of money. definitely that's... way cheaper. Yeah. And yeah. are you currently attempting to stop vaping, for example? I'm kind of looking at it. I'm trying to look at other options. Um, like what? You know, but I had this thing one time before when I tried the Nicorette thing that you put in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I used to put it in my mouth but without the Nicorette thing in it because I didn't like the taste of the Nicorette. Um, the other thing i just like to point out is that it's, the liquid that people are buying is the problem, I think, because for there's all these cheap stuff on the market, like for like one fifty and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they're coming in from everywhere. Like the products I buy would be manufactured here in Ireland, and you know what I mean. It's five euros for the bottle. So you're very careful about what you use. Yeah, exactly. There's only three ingredients in it. I know, like that kind of thing. But I think that's a big problem. Is um, probably you know what people are probably buying. Right, and, and you'll have to help me with this because I don't fully understand. What, the difference between the disposable vape and the kind of vape that you use then? Oh, yeah, that's a complete waste of money like that. You know what I mean? That's, a, <laughs> that's something like eight euros and you have to buy one like nearly every day. I believe people are buying them every day whereas mine is electronic. So I plug it in and charge it. So I have the, the battery that I buy probably, you know, I have it, you pay 40 euros for that and it would last you for a month be you know six yeah. seven months if you mind them even a year and you just literally buy the liquid then but these disposable eight euro ones like sure people they're buying them every day like and you know some people are buying two of them have they you buy any... them in the night time as well it's, it's a <laughs> lot of, that's that's a lot of money as well isn't it you know ah uh, yeah it is what, sure. what are you know. making of the younger people i mean very young people vaping and you know the possible legislation that's coming in now that will ban that well, I yeah, because I think obviously the flavours are very tempting to them, like because there's lovely flavours yeah. in them and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's ridiculous looking at some of them because they've never smoked. And it's just so hard to give it up. You see, it is very addictive. I think definitely because it's still nicotine, um, I suppose, Patsy. Is it? Yeah. Well, you can buy with no nicotine. Okay. You can buy zero nicotine. Um, but I don't know whether they're all. I mean. I have six milligrams still in mine. There's definitely six milligrams. They start off as 18. Okay. And I went down to six and I remained at six always. Well, that's that's pretty good. I mean, can you can you do with less than six or is that is that about the there minimum? Isn't, yeah, that's the lowest is in it? them. Yeah. Um, I suppose I've never tried to change over. I haven't seen one in my brand now that has nothing proved. I haven't really looked into that, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, but no, I think, yeah, the youngsters, like some of them are just, you know, they're just doing it, I think, for the flavours and I think it's like this trend. Yeah, it's well, a, Actually, some of them have big puffer machines all together, like they, you know. Um, yeah, it is a pity that, you know, it's so hard yeah, it's I think, kind to of keep a, it up. It's a kind of a fashion statement, I believe, for some people I as think well, it's, you know? Yeah, a fashion statement, but I think it is addictive as well. I do definitely think it's, it's just harder because, you know... Right, but certainly it helped you to get off the cigarettes, and you. Oh, it helped me, and yeah. it improved my health. And that, no that's that's very that. important. Because I yeah. was definitely getting pleurisy. I was getting chest infections constantly. I was like absolutely so sick one Christmas, and with a cigarette, I'm coughing constantly every day. I was coughing. My cough was gone within a week. I couldn't believe it. Like you know that kind of a 
That's that's really incredible, isn't it? It really, really yeah. is. Um, but the yeah. secret, as far as you're concerned, if people insist on vaping, is quality vaping with the premier product as opposed to... Exactly. Yeah, yeah okay. definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, Patsy, well, we... many things coming in from God, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. God knows what's in them. You know, you just don't know what's in them. Well, that's that's the point, Please. isn't it? Patsy, it was lo- you're buying something. Yeah. lovely, okay. lovely to talk you, And thank you so much for coming on with us, Patsy. Thank you. Not at all. Good, Thanks. Good okay, morning bye. to you. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Patsy talking to us about her experience of vaping. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, prosecutors in North Carolina accepted a plea bargain deal with Tom and Molly Martins over the brutal killing of Limerick-bound Jason Corbett, a widower and father of two in August of 2015. He was beaten uh, to death in uh, the bedroom of his home by his Tennessee-born second wife and uh, his father-in-law under the 11th hour plea deal. Uh, Mr. Martins uh, accepted, uh, pleaded guilty indeed to a voluntary manslaughter charge while his daughter Molly pleaded no contest to a similar voluntary manslaughter count. Now Ralph Regal of the Independence has written a book on the subject and he is in Lexington in North Carolina and joins me now. Good morning to you Ralph. Good morning, friend. Uh, thank you so much indeed for your time today. Before we uh, speak about that shock revelation by the pathologist yesterday, could you just remind us, Ralph, why the prosecutors accepted a plea bargain deal with Tom and Molly Martins? Yeah, as you said, Fran, um, Tom and Molly Martins were convicted in August of 2017 of the second-degree murder of Jason Corbett, and they received uh, prison sentences of between 20 and 25 years. Now, they immediately signalled that they would appeal and that appeal went to first the North Carolina Court of Appeal and then latterly to the North Carolina Supreme Court where two years ago it quashed the conviction and a retrial was ordered. Now, the retrial was was effectively delayed by the COVID-19 pandemic and by a lot of legal reasons. It was supposed to start last year, it was delayed, it was supposed to start in June and then it was delayed until November the 6th. And then quite dramatically, a couple of weeks ago, we were told that it was going to be brought forward until October the 30th and then having been transferred out of Davidson County here in North Carolina uh, to Forsyth County which is where the large city of Winston-Salem is located Mm. it was going to be transferred back to Davidson County and on Monday of course we heard that the state had offered a plea bargain deal whereby the the second degree murder charge would be dropped in return for Tom and Molly Martin pleading guilty to voluntary manslaughter which is a class D homicide offence here in North Carolina. There's a number of reasons for it. I think the prospective length of the retrial, I mean it could last anywhere between six and eight weeks, I think that was a major factor in it. And I think as well, a lot of the evidential developments in the case obviously were also a factor in terms of um, in terms of the, the prosecutors reconsidering their position and making that uh, second degree, or sorry, the, the, the voluntary manslaughter offer to the uh, defence. And that shock revelation, certainly was a shock to me anyway, Ralph, uh, that, you know, in the evidence given the cause of death uh, finding in Ireland for Jason Corbett's first wife, Mags Corbett, was said to be incorrect. Yeah, I think it, was, it, was, it pretty much was a bombshell um, claim yesterday. Um, I think it says more about the brevity of the post-mortem resort report in Ireland than anything specific. Now, Dr. George 
Justice report, which he said was only two pages long, he found a lot of um, failing things that he said should have been done that weren't done. Uh, and he basically said that, look, she didn't die of asthma and she died of an undetermined, in an undetermined manner, an undetermined cause. And unfortunately, what that means is that leaves, in his opinion, that leaves everything open. So basically, everything is a possibility. And the defence had said at the very start, well, certainly Douglas Kingsbury for Miss Martins, he had said that Miss Martins believed that her husband had killed his first wife. And secondly, that she, the same fate was going to befall her. But I think what's quite interesting is the importance of something is that what's not said mm. in the hearing is almost as important as what actually is said. And what no one pointed out yesterday was that Mags Corbett had a long history of asthma and that the asthma attack she got, which effectively triggered the events in which she died, she actually got it not only when she was with her husband, but when she was with her sister, Catherine. So there was three people there when she actually got this respiratory attack. And that evidence wasn't actually given in the court yesterday. So the judge certainly didn't seem to be under any opinion other than she was on her own with Jason Corbett. But in actual fact, her sister was there and her sister became concerned about the condition of Mags. And she looked after the two young children who were two years and under while her husband put her in the car and desperately drove her to try and meet an ambulance, which was coming from University Hospital Limerick. Tragically, she stopped breathing in the car. Mr. Corbett brought her back by doing CPR. And then she was put in an ambulance where, sadly, she stopped breathing again. And she was pronounced dead on arrival at University Hospital Limerick. But the, the unfortunate thing, I think, given the way the case is going, is that it certainly played to the defence in that when Mr. Kingsbury said to Dr. Nichols, look, is it is the possible homicide the doctor basically said correct but then he said it's possible but not wholly probable but I think his answer pretty much was what the defence were hoping for. You're close to the family Ralph because you wrote a book along with uh, uh, Jason's sister uh, Tracy. Um, I, I would imagine they're very distressed about what has emerged. Oh, I, I, I don't think that the week could have been any more traumatic or, or, or difficult for them. I mean there's been so many um, developments this week that really were very distressing. We had a secret recording made by Molly yes. Martins that was released um, depicting a domestic argument in the property and of course then what we learned was that Molly Martins had made many many secret recordings but that this was the only one that was actually being introduced and of course it raises the question on all the other recordings which may not be to her favour um, we then had the Dragonfly House interviews mm. or the videos that were broadcast and for your listeners who may not be familiar with the Dragonfly House is a social services agency in North Carolina and they interviewed both Jack and Sarah four days after the the, the, the the tragic death of their father and it, it was very difficult I mean even as someone who's you know effectively neutral here a lot of the reporters we were talking about it and it was just really difficult that you're looking at a screen seeing an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old effectively describing the circumstances surrounding the brutal death of their father and the uncertainty of their their future are they going to stay with their stepmother in the United States are they going to be returned to their family in Ireland and just a couple of meters away you're looking and you're seeing 
and now 19-year-old and 17-year-old staring at their 8- and 10-year-old selves. And it's just very, very difficult. It must be indeed. Um, How long more will this uh, hearing go on for, Ralph? Well, Fran, two weeks have been reserved um, in Lexington Courthouse uh, for Davidson County Superior Court special sitting, which is dealing with this. Um, it were, the indications are it'll probably wrap up maybe between Wednesday and Friday. Um, there was a concern that the pace of the trial meant that it could spill over into a third week, but the judge has signaled that he's available to start sitting earlier. He sits now through a good bit of lunch and he's prepared to sit later in the day to try and, uh, I think, have everything ready to finish next week. And manslaughter then, in in terms of the sentencing, what, what are the possibilities there, Ralph? Uh, well, the maximum sentence that's available is, is just over 17 years, but Judge David Hall has said that that will not apply in this case because the maximum sentence only applies to people with serious previous um criminal convictions, so only repeat offenders would, would get 17 years, and Judge Hall was at pains to say that does not apply in this case, because neither Tom nor Molly Martins have any previous convictions. In fact, Tom served for 30 years as an FBI agent, yes. and then he worked in counterintelligence for the US Department of Energy. So the, the, the minimum end of the scale is probation, but the judge again stressed that that's only available in extraordinary mitigating circumstances. So I would think you're probably talking at a sentence of somewhere between two and nine years but I think it's very important to point out if Judge Hall imposes any sentence of three and a half years or less it means that Tom and Molly Martins will walk free from Lexington because Court they've served because they've already served exactly they've served three and a half years of that 2025 year prison sentence so it is possible they could walk out of court um I think it is. I think it is. Again, none of us are in Judge Hall's mind. Uh, I think he'll have very—he'll have to have the wisdom of Solomon. I think to to weigh up a lot of the material that has been put to him this week, um, both in terms of the the overall circumstances, and then you know balancing the mitigating factors that have been argued by the defence with the clear forensic issues of the appalling injuries that were suffered by Jason Corbett. I mean, we had pathology evidence yesterday from Dr. Craig Nelson, who performed the post-mortem on Jason Corbett. And he said that um, he's very very conservative in his practice, so he will not estimate or guesstimate. And he said all he can say for certain is that there were 10 impact um, areas on Mr. Corbett's head and at least two of those impact areas involved very complex um, injuries in which multiple blows were struck to the same spot of the head. And he said that all he can say for certain is that there was at least 12 blows to Mr. Corbett's head. And to the point that I'm conscious it's early in the morning over there, so there may be young listeners, but unfortunately such was the damage to his head that parts of his skull were actually falling out uh, during the post-mortem examination. And in contrast with that, whereas Tom and Molly Martins insisted that they were involved in a desperate fight for their life as they fought to defend themselves, neither were found by paramedics to have any injury at the scene, ranging from a cut, a bruise, or even a scratch. My God. And just finally, Ralph, I mean, obviously it's a huge story here. How is this playing out in the States? I mean, is it getting national attention over there? Uh, it is. I, the one thing I would say about the States, Fran, is that like it's a country of over 300 million people. Yeah. 
and there are a lot of very high-profile trials that are running here at the moment. Um, it has certainly got a lot of television crews here. They tend to mostly be from the local North Carolina area, although one of them is an affiliate with one of the big national networks. And of course, you see, it's competing for headlines here as well um, with the build-up to the Donald Trump trial in New yes. York. So. That, that's really dominating the headlines here. Well, Ralph, we really appreciate you making time for us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you and good morning to you, Ralph. Bye-bye. Now. Thanks, Fran. Bye-bye. That's Ralph Regal, who's uh, written extensively about this in The Independent, of course. There's some uh, wonderful podcasting done by Ralph as well and uh, his team, if you want to have a look at uh, that or indeed to listen to that. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, Shane Pearson is a multi-award winning health and wellness coach who specialises in stress, anxiety and uh, mental health. He's also an accredited uh, thought leader with almost two decades of experience in mindset development and creating transformational change for individuals. He joins me now. Shane, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome indeed. Those of us who are prone to stress and ex- and anxiety even, Shane, um, it tends to be, I notice it myself anyway, exacerbated when it gets a little wintry and when the mornings are dark and when the weather is poor. Is, it, is that fair to say for most? It doesn't make it any easier, does it, Fran? No, no. No. Oh. Yeah, no, it, it, with the, the evening is drawing, drawing in, it's a, it's a real shift in the seasons and, and it has an effect on the psyche. Uh, and sunlight, for example, is now known to be hugely beneficial and those Irish are already deprived of it, so coming into the winter can be a bit bleak. How can we get around it, do you think? I mean, how can we deal with this, Shane? <laughs> there's, there's always a lot we can do with our mindset and it doesn't always feel like we're in control of it. So as a rule of thumb, it's pulling things back to what you're in control of. So we're not in control of the clouds, the weather, mm. the darkness. Um, so there's a beautiful story from a native Indian tribe uh, that really helps you know, get his message across. Uh, have you ever heard of stories of two wolves? No, no. Okay, let me share that. So it, it's, let's just picture the setting. There's a, a campfire there in, in, in old America and there's a, a native Indian elder and he's, he's he's looking into the into the fire. He's got a troubled look on his face, and his grandson comes up to him and looks at him and says, "Greg and grandfather, what what is it? What's troubling you?" And the, the elder says, "He says there's a great battle going on inside me, um, and that battle is between two wolves." And the kids look at him. Oh, sounds pretty intense. So he says that one one of those wolves is the good wolf. It's the wolf. It's the wolf. It's the white wolf. And that was the wolf of loyalty, of courage, of compassion and empathy and, and all of those positive traits. And the other wolf, however, is the evil wolf, the black wolf. And the black wolf is the wolf of greed and envy and despair and hate and all of the negative emotions. So the kid's taking this all in and he's going, Whoa. And he looks over at his grandfather and says, and who's going to win the battle? To which the elder replies, whichever one I choose to feed, Wow. So, feeding the wolf, we all have a head. My my good friend uh, Peter says it's hard to have a head. So, 
So it's yeah, hard that's, having that's her. very profound, isn't it? Because we all yeah. tend to feed the bad wolf, do we not? Yes, yeah. we, we, we're up against it. Unfortunately, in science, there's the negative bias. Mm. So our brains are kind of hardwired to look out for the negative because it's looking for what might be uh, a risk and what might threaten survival. So we're primed a little bit to look at look for the, the negative. And research shows we often need three three little positive thoughts to counter out a negative. So the work is up to us, and it's not always easy. Simple sometimes, not always easy. But but going back to the, the, the story of the wolves, mm. um, we can all feed our, our white wolf. We can all feed the, the mind, the positive mind that we have. And the more we feed it, the stronger it will be. And the less we feed the, the negativity, um, the the more likely our white wolf will win the battle. Yes. And is that a case, Shane, of practice? I mean, is it as simple as that in some way? In some ways, you're absolutely right. It's practice. Um, and practice, repetition leads to habits. Hmm. And where a lot of our thoughts, you know, neuroscience has now shown us that you know, about 95% of our thoughts are they're unconscious, they're habitual. They're the same ones we had, similar, similar to the ones you had yesterday and the day before. Hmm. So we have found ourselves with like now in a in a place where our habits and our habitual thought patterns especially can be can be running a lot of our our mind. So it's very important to um, start to. It, it, I think that the first stage is to become aware, mm. become aware of ah, those some of those patterns that play the negative patterns um, or the thoughts. Or as, and also, and when we start to feel stressed, Fran, um, in the brain, you know that that stress brain, it starts to fall. It starts to think out of fear. So it will it will actually then focus on more fearful thoughts or more mm. negative thoughts. So it's it's a lot of time we're feeding that white wolf. We're trying to build the positivity, uh, or at the same time we're trying to keep our stress levels low because when our stress levels get higher then those programs, those automatic behaviors become more common. They're more likely they're the ones we revert to, um, leading to perhaps that spiral negativity. We're probably all faced with those bad days um, where something goes wrong and it starts to spiral and, and negative thoughts lead to more stress and stress and negativity. So it can be quite a, a tumble yeah. down. And it's interesting, Shane, that all of well, the majority of the negative thoughts are either, you know, rooted in the past or the present, what might happen to us. And certainly somebody like me, I'd be prone to anxiety and God knows prone to stress as well. But, I, you know, I, I have to stop myself every so often and say, not all of that can go wrong in that fashion. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? And, and how how do you neutralize that? How do how do you dilute that in some way? Then? Well, that, what you just said there, you know, sometimes you stop yourself. So it's it's that all important part of stepping back, and because we, I say you can't trust a stressed mind the same way you can't trust a drunk mind. So when you're when you have a, if you've ever had a few beers, you think, oh yeah, I can drive. That old drunken mind is not to be trusted. So the stress mind, we, we often get caught in the thoughts. So the ability to step back from the thoughts and realize they're just thoughts, that helps us realize, okay, the thoughts, they're not necessarily real. At a young conscious level, the, 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 so your brain or your mind, it can't tell the difference between what you're imagining and what's real. So this is where we can have a nightmare and wake up sweating mm. and our heart pounding. So that's, um, the all, you, you, you said that you do it. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. we do it, and sometimes we get caught up in what I call the story. And it can be really intense because we're stressed, 
driving our thoughts and we're lost in that and that's kind of perpetuating the problem. So an ability to step back and when I'm working one-on-one with clients, that's often the foundation of work we do is helping them bring more of these regular, I call them check-ins with the self. So they just, just take moments out of the day to just, okay, to, to monitor themselves, how stressed they are, you know, mm. just maybe taking, a, maybe you're taking a breath, you know, observing their thoughts. Where are my thoughts right now? What am I feeling? Um, and then you have an opportunity to, 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 to break up the pattern, to break up the, those habitual patterns. And I use a, um, quite common, I use a traffic light system hmm. that's really useful for stress. So I say with stress, kill the monster when it's a baby. When we're really stressed, um, you know, the, the, the hard wire of the brain is really work. We're going to be um, almost bypassing the human brain. Hmm. And instead, we're going to be operating out of these more, more instinctive, more, more ancient parts of the brain. So... Rather than try and fight the fights when we're extremely stressed and do something about it, then I like to work on bringing down the overall stress levels and having those regular check-ins. And if you're with the traffic light system, if it's green, it's whenever we're nice and relaxed, we're in control of our thoughts. Amber is where we can get caught up in the day where it's, okay, it's not quite panic attack. It's not quite really stressed, but you're on the way there. And that you tend to kind of migrate up and get closer closer to the red, and the red would 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 be whenever we are extremely stressed, or we do something we regret, or we revert to some of our habitual patterns or behaviour that aren't helpful. For example, eating or having a, yeah. a drink or something to bring down the stress. So working with that to to know where you are on the on the on the on the, on the, on the map, and then doing things that pull yourself down. Funnily enough, you, you've sort of answered a, a question I had a note here to ask you, which is why we damage yourself, ourselves in this way, why we make life actually more difficult for ourselves. But you're saying it's kind of, is it the caveman mind that was always aware of threat? Is that is that what's still active in us in some way? Yeah, so, the, you know, we often, we, most of us have a, we don't, you know, not, not best, if we don't consider stress as our best friend, okay? So what it's it's downside. The stress usually feels like it's happening to us. So what is going on there? It's a it's a unconscious process. But it's the reason you and I are actually still here. Everybody listening to this uh, today, we have an unbroken line of ancestors going back, you know, millions and mm. millions and hundreds of millions of years. So f- what has helped us get here is this survival response. So the stress is all about survival. Mm. So it doesn't care when the stress response kicks in. It'll help you survive. But it'll help you survive in the next five minutes or the next half an hour. Mm. It doesn't really, sound really interested in, in you surviving 50 years because it's your brain and mind are primed to go, okay, how can I survive this incident? So therefore, we're not really concerned about eating well so that whenever I'm in my 70s or 80s, I'm going to have a good health. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You're fighting your own brain. It's 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 a fascinating subject, isn't it? It really is. And have you thought about Shane? Why some of us tend to be prone to this, and then you meet up with beautiful people who yeah. just couldn't give a hoot, and they're they're all laid back, and they'll take life as it comes to them and stuff. What is that personality type? Is that nurturing? Is it nature? What is that? I, I do think you know there's a bit of both in it. You know, some some of us are born, or maybe just you know genetically physically um, resilient or maybe mentally resilient or, or emotionally resilient is a little bit of that. But I think it's 
a lot of it's down to the nurture and it's huge amount is always down to mindset. Um, and mindset, have you got a free hand? I, I well, do. At least one free hand, friend. I do. <laughs> do this with me. For everything you need to know about mindset, put your hand up in the air and uh, or your finger. Imagine you're making a circle uh, on an imaginary clock and you're going clockwise from 1 to 12. Like, just make those little circles. Can okay. you do that? Yes, I'm, I'm doing that, yeah. Now keep that circle going in the same direction, uh-huh. but bring bring your hand down, never never stopping turning until you're now looking over your finger, the same finger. Okay. And tell me, put the imaginary clock back down there. Is it still moving clockwise or is it going? It's sort of still moving clockwise, yeah. Yeah, can you see? So if you're looking up at it, you should be able to see your finger following clockwise. And if you keep this... this It'll actually, when you're looking down, it'll be anti-clockwise. Oh, yes, sorry. I see I see what you mean now. So, yeah. Okay. So what hasn't changed is the circle hasn't changed, but the way you look at it has changed. So the perception has changed, yeah. The perception has changed. So the mindset, so people, we have a lot of ability to change how we perceive something. It's very interesting. And you're saying that, you know, if we... If if we are prone to anxiety and uh, depression, maybe and stress and all of that, we we need to perceive things in a different fashion. Yeah, so we have that's we have choice. And there's a a famous TED talk called "How to Make Stress Your Friend." And what was really interesting about that was if you believe stress is bad for you, it was bad for you, and it would lead to you know results of including you know more chance of, of death or illness. But if you believe stress made you resilient and made you stronger. It didn't have a negative effect, and it actually different. There was a different uh, impact on the, the the body chemistry in the bloods when they checked it. So, if the, with the right attitude, curry, um, stress can feel like, can show up in the blood more like courage rather isn't, than fear. Isn't that extremely interesting indeed, Shane? Do you have an online platform that people can go to? Is there a Yes, so I'm just started on Instagram. You can find me at Design Your Life Coach, and then my website is www.designyourlifecoaching.ie. All right, I feel I should send you a fee for that <laughs> for, for our chat this morning. Thank you so much, Shane. Really good to talk. Thank to you. you so Thank much, Frank. Really you. good to talk. To you. Thank you. Bye, bye, Jenna. Shane Pearson, there, health and uh, wellness coach. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. You're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. I'm hearing that uh, Newport Festival Lights Committee, they're involved in a fundraising drive at uh, the moment with a collection uh, this Saturday in the town square from 9am until 2pm and the message is give whatever you can where that's concerned. They're also hosting a bingo fundraiser in the community centre on the 26th of November and that's commencing at 3pm. Uh, Speaking of fundraiser, I'm taking part in one myself uh, tomorrow night in Golden, in the hall in Golden and commemorating the life of uh, Nellie Ryan who was so much involved in, in dancing in uh, Cashel over the years as well. Nellie, Nellie sadly passed away a couple of years ago. So we're, we're there and the proceeds of that going to the young dancers who are travelling internationally as well. Um, all right then, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp 83 It is time for a Friday panel and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Conor O'Brien, is a finance professional. Uh, Andrea Keenan is a foot health practitioner at the Foot Care Centre in uh, Clonmel and we welcome back Councillor uh, John Fitzgerald 
Fitzgerald as well. Good morning to you all, and thank you very much indeed for coming into us uh, today. So many things to talk about. Can we start with the pension thing? Because this got a lot of attention from our, our listeners over the course of uh, the week. A new report recommending that the pension age should rise to 75. The Oireachtas Social Protection Committee says that the recommendations takes into account higher life expectancy, which has gone up from 65 to uh, 82. The report also looks at new laws coming into effect which will allow people to get higher pension payments if they decide to defer their pension up until 70. And it also looked at, uh, for a higher rate of state pension, uh, a move to the total contribution approach exclusively over a 10-year period. But anyway, let's discuss it. Andrea, do you want to take that first of all? Because we had a brief discussion about it off-air. That notion of working until you're 75 and... Well, I won't be working until I'm 75, but I won't be working much off that. Certainly probably 69. By necessity, Andrew. Uh, by necessity and the fact that I work for myself and I like what I do. Yeah. So I'm 59 now. I expect to be working for another 10 years. Um, uh, I don't have a private pension, so I will be relying on the government pension. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in favour of raising the pension age to 75. I think it's like they just want to flog us till we die. Plus, I think people should. Uh, like be able to retire how are the youth supposed to be able to get work experience and get into roles if the likes of me and the rest of us here are filling those roles I mean where's the uh, where's the ability for the youth to say I can aspire to X, Y or Z if the likes of us are still sitting there saying well we're here now you just have to wait I I think we could take on maybe a more um, mentoring role uh, you know, for for younger people, maybe not in my profession, but perhaps in your own or nursing, etc. I wouldn't want to, to change to the role that as the years go on. Is that, yes, is that what I don't mean? think okay. a builder should be uh, hogging bricks up well, ladders they at probably sixty-five. Couldn't, uh, no, but he could then yeah. mentor a younger man who okay. could do something similar. You'd be doing well to find a builder now these days. Well, uh, no, so. yeah, right. <laughs> any, I know. I'm showing my age, kind of. But also, yeah. I don't think we should have two-tier system. This system where uh, um, civil servants are treated different to us—they mm. don't pay the same PRSI. How someone who's a carer—we're looking now to get them uh, on a pension or a different scheme, I think we should be high, um, uh, upping the bar, not lowering it, so everyone get the one pension. Shouldn't be contributory, non-contributory, but I think we should be encouraging the people that do not contribute financially to the part to get involved in some for- way or form. I don't think it's healthy for the mental health, for the physical health. I see a lot of people over... Do you mean people on social welfare? Is yeah, what everyone has something to give to society. The fact that we can just say to people... I'm not saying now we pull people out of their wheelchairs mm. and make them work. Mm. I'm not saying that at all. But there's, there, I'm sure they'd like to be meeting different people and doing something different. There's community projects they could be involved in. I mean, I was talking to someone recently, a retired um, Garda, um, and they retire very young. Mm. For obvious reasons, I wouldn't do their job for all the in mm. China. But why don't retire them at 45 or 50 or whatever it is, however, at so many years... They could mentor the younger people. The younger ones coming in, they could walk the town with them and say, these are the places you need to keep an eye on, these are the people that you know may mm. need help, these are the shops that you need right, to... So you use the wisdom of, of older people. Absolutely. Connor, what, what about you on this? I mean, are you the kind of person that would be working right up until you're... 
your nineties because I you look so horribly <laughs> fit there in front of me. It's a, yeah, I just feel ninety at the moment, man. <laughs> despite my looks, uh, for me, I, I think it's so. There's there's sides to all of this, but I mean, ultimately, I think I will work beyond the the current retirement age. Yes, my job is it's an office job. It's uh, again, the, it's easier to do than mm. something physical or physical. That's like a demanding, like a nursing <laughs> nursing job or a, or a, a construction yes. type job. Um, but uh, I, look, I, I don't. Uh, I know some people have this massive aspiration. Oh, I want to retire by forty, or I want to retire by fifty, and I want to retire by sixty, and they've got these life goals and a bucket list mm. and all this stuff that goes with it. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I don't have that massive aspiration. Obviously, I do want to be able to enjoy life as well too. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think what the government have proposed is unreasonable. And I think what we're actually starting now is the debate that should have probably had twenty, thirty years ago mm. about the expectations of people and the state's obligation around what a pension is for and what it's what is actually mm. to be used for versus what people are actually using And it for. with your financial background, Connor, I mean, is it very real that we won't be able to afford, because of the ageing population, Absolutely. that we won't be able to afford the state pension? Absolutely. Is that, is that real? Yes, 100%. 100%. The reality is that as people get so much older, all the actuarial assumptions that were done 10, 20 years ago on how long people will live, they were outdated when they were done. So they're all, they're, we're, we've been negative since. So we haven't got that uh, massive fund or, or pension investment strategy that other countries have. You look to Canada and Germany and Norway, they've got these humongous sovereign wealth funds that invest in other countries and... and, and capitalise on that because they've got to finance their pension funds. Mm. We don't have that same strategy. We, we've got a very... Kind well, of, we, we see some of them here investing in property. Exactly. Example. And they yeah. buy into equity companies here yeah. and that they like all a lot of pension funds would have a lot of say HSQ in Dublin um, bought entirely by, by pension funds. Uh, guaranteed money, right. get, get suits of pensions. And we, we don't do anything. No, like Ireland doesn't like, have that, like that kind that. of proactive investment vehicle company. We've got the right. NTMA who manage it. But it's and, and the people that would argue, Connor, um, that, you know, well, we're all strictly paying for our pension, you know, for PAYE, we're all paying into our pension. We've always been doing that. What, what about that? So... If you are paying tax, you absolutely are and uh, entitled to, to the state pension and there's a criteria mm. of if you meet a certain amount of weeks, you get the contributions. The and all of that, yeah. Exactly. Um, but that's what people group it all into the concept of tax. Mm. Uh, there's PAYE, there's PRSI and there's USC and they all go to very different funds and pots. So people do feel hard done by paying 50% odd tax on their marginal rate. But that's not all going to your pension. Only mm. the PRSI is, is, going, is going into the, that whole social welfare aspect. So the USC was to fund our bailout, yes. and which was totally wrong. We're going to pay for it forever. And PAYE is to fund the normal government business. So even though people feel oh, we actually are paying high tax, it doesn't go to our, to our pensions. It goes to running the burdening health system and the guarantee <coughs> and the roads and everything but, else. But what will happen, though, unless it's addressed? Will we literally run out of money for pension? Yes. You didn't even have to think about that. You no, just, it's, yes. it's, <laughs> if you're putting in less than, than you're taking out on the other side, you're going to run out. What about compulsory pensions? I lived in Australia for 20 years and 40 years ago... Instead, they do a national wage rise, so they would give everybody three percent. Now, obviously, the employers pay it, but it's national wage rise. So, at the first, that one year, they went, well, "You're not getting that cash in your hand, which is p- pittance any three percent." Mm. That's going into a pension pile. 
and now you have to match, match it out. Your, so the employer, rather than give them 3%, to put that in the pension pot, you then had to give 3% a minimum as well, match it. Mm-hmm. So right. 6% now has been saved each So is, week. It, is there something like that uh, we, we need? I know we're kind of moving towards involving the employ, employers in this, but, I mean, it's very slow, isn't it? It, it is slow, and so the reality is that there's massive tax breaks for contributing to your pensions. Yes. Um, all the tax-free allowances, depending on or tax-free uh, bans, depending on your age. But there, so the simple reality is, is people don't have that spare money right now to be worrying about a pension in your thirties. Yeah. About and they dangle the carrot, and suddenly the carrot is now fifteen years later. So <laughs> should I should I have saved twenty years ago for a pension that I should have been getting when I'm sixty-five? Yes, I probably should have. Could I afford it? Absolutely not. Well, yes. you, you see, you start small. We're not talking now about a big lump sum. We're you taking do, but of course, it's, a, a it's at the most you know. expensive time, I suppose, where you're renting and you're mortgaging. Yeah, well, and I mean, all I meet people on a daily basis that that don't have the funds, but they can afford holidays, they can afford <laughs> uh, false eyelashes, <laughs> fake tans. Are you very nails. grumpy today? <laughs> but you, you, you know, sometimes you have to say to someone, this is for your benefit. Well, OK, right. 30, we can't see the benefit of a pension, but we all can now. Well, I certainly can at my age. Sometimes you have to say, this is for your benefit. We're not going to... I mean, people are on a particular wage and there is a minimum wage. So people, mm. we know how much people are earning and it's only 3% of your earnings. It's not going to be a fixed fee. Right. So, OK, so it's worth thinking about. John, I'd say you, you'd probably like to work. On would you? I would. Yeah, I, I'm self-employed, as you know, and I'd say, uh, you know, I have, I suppose, a job that isn't physically that, ex- yeah. you know, exerting. So, I my job. I'm, when I speak of the job, I'm a public representative, but I also probably for longer am an auctioneer yeah. and run a business here in town. And I think we can live. We can stay. Somebody in my position is in a position to work on and I, it is my intention to work on in the business hopefully yeah. so but um, I mean it, it might be physically difficult but I mean there's a lot of stress to running your own business and stuff I mean is, is that something yeah. you'd want to be doing when you're 70 and yeah and, it, and you know it doesn't get any less stressful yeah uh, it doesn't get any like I mean I always say about our type of business unlike an accountant's or a, maybe you know a vet's practice or something like that we actually have no clients every January we every every new year we have to meet right. fifty yeah. odd people with houses to sell to see out that year. Yeah, and uh, for some reason they always come along. But you do wonder every January where are they going to come out? <laughs> where yeah. where are we going to get what we got last year? So you never you never have uh, an absolute certainty on what your what your rental, what your fee income is going to be in the job. Yes, but it always it, it, it you know like a lot of things in life there's no. Uh, science in it, it just does happen and it, by virtue of being there in the first place and reputation hmm. and what you did before you you, you do get uh, And what do you make then of this notion from the Oireachtas uh, committee you know, recommending um, you know, up to 75? No, I, I think I agree with previous speakers there I think that, you know I think, we in Ireland we're very proud of the way we treat our elderly mm. and the way we treat people generally yeah. in, mm. in, in terms of our social welfare system I'm very proud of the way the government looks after the elderly in Ireland. My own mother is is in great health and alive and is in receipt of a state pension and this is the kind you know this is the kind of thing you look and you, you, that's what we work for. Mm. That's what people yeah. of our generation work for is to ensure Absolutely. that that generation uh, can can uh, live you know in 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 mm. 
within the times they're but in. But that's what concerns me about this, John, is that, <clears> you know, older people are made to feel almost guilty now that, oh, the younger people will have to prop you all up and pay your pensions and stuff. Well, I don't buy into that yeah. uh, at all. <clears> and I think that, uh, I think the, the pension age, the current pension age is probably just about right on the age. Mm-hmm. It does enable you to do something after you leave mainstream work. Yeah. Uh, just because tablets and, and healthcare and things like that are making people live longer doesn't necessarily mean that the bodies are functioning in the same and the, and the brains in the same way that they were when they were young people. Uh, God knows we all are getting older and uh, every every couple of years you know you've got older yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I, I don't think, I think that the current pension age I, I think is just about on the money. I think uh, leaving it to 75 is just, I completely agree with what Andrea said about, you know, giving the youth uh, a look in. Mm. People have to move on mm. through the system mm. so as that others can take responsibility. Mm. Right. And uh, But I suppose if it was a choice, you know, I mean, you know, and, and you might make a few more, Bob, by hanging... No, Andrea's shaking her not. head again. No, no. Uh, no it, uh, you, you've got to balance it as well for quality of life. I had a man in this morning already. He's off to, flying off to Portugal tomorrow. He's a retired man. Do you know that's what life is about? You're enjoying it. Yes. You have to. It's a balance, like John said. It's a balance between um, enjoying your working life and, and and providing for yourself while you're working, but then being able to step back. And, and enjoy your retirement and enjoy it in good health. I mean, if we work until 75, I can assure you we won't be doing much at 75 because mm. by then we're coming to the end, towards the end of our lives, and we won't be able to enjoy it as much as we can if we were 66 mm. or 65. The only thing I'd be afraid of is, and, and you know, I see it myself when I have a couple of days off and stuff, that I, I vegetate and do nothing. And I'd <laughs> be afraid, why. I'd honestly be afraid of that, Connor, you know. But you, you do see it with people who are very active. In, in their work lives and when they do retire if they don't go into something productive that keeps them busy or occupied yeah. they, they, they do have a very short life expectancy after that yeah. um, I, I um, we've heard stories about that so so many stories over mm. the years yeah. absolutely but yeah. you have a talent Fran, Fran. You, you can do gigs like uh, you know it, that's a great th- that is no joking aside is that is yeah. really that is Fran something Fran Boskin outside yeah. the main <laughs> 75 he's going to be in demand I'd say, he, I'd, he's, I'd say he would have right. he's old and grey a guy got on and gave out to me yesterday about uh, uh, multiple jobs he said I was greedy because I was here, no. I was here and going out doing gigs life. as well yeah. he must think I'm on the same money as Joe Duffy you see that's, yeah. that's we all you, wonder that are you saying you're not <laughs> just, just a little less just a, a little less where it's concerned alright let us move on to some else because the country's licensing laws are set to be overhauled by next summer allowing nightclubs to stay open until 6 a.m. Now the new legislation will permit clubs who have been granted a special license to remain open until 6 with alcohol not being permitted to be sold past 5 a.m. This is just mind-boggling to me. But anyway late bars will remain at the existing closing time of 2.30. Connor, do you want that first of all? Will you be nightclubbing and tripping the light fantastic? I'm just back in from the nightclub at 5 a.m. That's why I'm looking so fresh. The rest of us won't be anyway, can I? You're going to have a few late nights ahead of your friend what if you're going to be playing until 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you make of it, though? I mean, is it necessary? I, I mean, this really applies, I suppose, to the cities. cities and, yeah. you know. So I th- I, I, I'm not opposed to it. Um, when you go to any inter- other international cities around the globe, the, there is pretty much... Um, 
very late opening hours anyway and there's places that are known to be this is a 24 hour whatever facility mm. so I, I'm not opposed to the concept of it I suppose the difference that I would draw is that with attitudes to alcohol and responsibility and maturity to, to make a decision to say actually no I've had enough I'm just here to dance or whatever that I don't think that exists in Ireland you, you you go to France or Germany and they could have one or two beers all night and, and sit there quite happily. So we would continue to drink we solidly drink until, until five. They physically okay. throw us out the door. <laughs> and, and, that's why, and that's why people have the concerns they have, is, is it, it could blow up in our faces yes. massively. And what about other people then who visit it? Because I think this is part of uh, Minister McEntee's uh, theories on the people who are coming here to visit us who might like to, to stay out and drink mm-hmm. a moderate amount of drink yeah. and, and, and dance and stuff that they can't understand that we're closing up shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's, a, it's a classic thing of uh, people come to Ireland, they want to have the crack and they want to have the session and they want to... But the fact is that it happens in such a condensed time it makes it good because people know that they have to be gone by 12 or right. 2 and... Yeah. The crack happens, and then everyone goes home, and it's fine. If you try and say, "Oh, let's have four more hours of crack," it's just not going to happen. <laughs> four so, more. They'll go out four hours later. Yeah. They'll be going out at two so in the morning. In my that's in my view that that would be my main concern is that I, the Irish people do not have a good attitude to drinking, and that if we're in this current route of people getting drunk at home and then going out and then staying out for six more hours, <laughs> I think it's going to be carnage. I, th- I, I think an- carnage. carnage. I, I think another part of the Minister's theory on this, though, is based on if you forgive the word staggered, it's uh, I don't mean, but, but a staggered <laughs> output from the, the nightclubs as opposed to everybody emerging onto the streets John, at like half two in the morning mm. from, from a nightclub or something. Is there something in that? that Possibly. You know? I, I don't know um, where I, I my I understand that there was 300 nightclubs in Ireland up to recent times, and there's now about 90. Uh, that says I, a lot. Of it does. Well, I think people yeah. are voting with their feet in the nightclub industry and are leaving the sector mm. big time. You see, I'd say that they, they will be happy because before they had to get an exemption for each individual gig that they were having. Yeah. Whereas now this this will just nail it down. It'll be a one-off fee and they can work away for the whole year. So the nightclubs, I think, will be happy with this. Um, what any, I don't think anyone else is going to necessarily rush to get in, though, because <laughs> even ordinary pubs that yeah. have the space to do that type of thing, they're not going to bother. Like, w- would you just have a Saturday night? I mean, it's really a Saturday night, isn't it? It's a Saturday it? night. They have to get extra staff. They have to get extra mm-hmm. security. They have to get extra yeah. insurance because there's because more risks. This, when this first emerged a few months ago, I know publicans came out with me and said, that's all grand. She can bring in all the legislation you want, but we... They won't do it. No. I, do, I don't see them do I don't see much of a take-up in it, to right. be honest with so you. So is it just Dublin and Cork? I think Dublin, Cork, Galway, Galway maybe. Because a city like yeah. Galway with a big student population. Yeah. But I think that's about it. I don't think you'll see this... Uh, much take up on this trout right. yeah. Andrea would you be staying out till 6 o'clock <laughs> I can barely stay up till 10 o'clock for <laughs> yeah. lunch, 6 o'clock in the morning it's clearly this is clearly not a- a- aimed at me I would have a problem with maybe antisocial behaviour who's going to be policing it when they come out yeah um the staffing situation. Who? I mean, I wouldn't like my daughter working till six in the morning, you know, mm. or maybe four in the morning. And, and would they be paid appropriately? Well, I'm sure they'd have to. Yeah. I mean, the laws yeah. are there, and, and in fairness to most employers, I'd say they keep to them. But safety would be my issue. Um, you know, people coming out at that time of night, and there may be drugs involved, not only drink. Uh, it's the antisocial bit I wouldn't like. I mean, fan, if you want to geek now to six in the morning, you work away, God, but no. I, I will be there. But yeah. the, the logic of staggering does, doesn't stack up because everybody finishes currently at 2.30. 
they all come out. If they now finish at six, they're going to go till six and they're all going to come out at six. But do you not mm. think so that so, not so, so, some, some of the wimps like me will go home and have two or something? No, you have no <laughs> sense, Frank. You have no <laughs> sense. <laughs> but do, do, do you know what I mean? That, I mean, not, not everybody. But right? I think it's going to be exactly as, as, as you've said, is the, the, the pubs are themselves going to cl- choose to close earlier. They, they've no interest in staying open until six a.m. Do we have one in Clamid? Well, I, I I don't want to get into specifics oh. about, about about it, but I'm sure yes, we do, we do, do we? have well, okay. we do indeed, we do indeed. Yeah. So you you'd wonder will will local nightclubs, I suppose, mm. you know, yeah, probably on special occasions, the bank holiday weekends and yeah. all that sort of stuff. You'll have the the big ones coming in. Yeah. Um, how how dare she say? There's somebody having a go at you. And oh. how dare she say that we all have something to give? Family carers give twenty four seven. They're they classed do. under the social Absolutely. welfare system and will work until they die, or the person they care for dies, or goes into residential setting. They, we are not entitled to any. Pe- well, I know that a commitment um, has been given to, let me just find this here, in the, yeah, the state pension provision for long-term carers of more than 20 years for the very first time, so they will be looking at but that. But I absolutely agree, but I don't like the two-tier system because it puts people against each other's. I mean, I go into... I, a lot of my um, patients would be over 50, mm. and I meet... Uh, carers on a daily basis, and mm. they are—they work to the bone. Right, but when you spoke about social welfare recipients, you weren't talking about carers. Well, I, you know, I wasn't, who, but who I wasn't being—I wouldn't consider them. Well, I meant people who were perhaps weren't working as such. I mean, family carers are working; it's twenty-four hour jobs, seven days a week. I'm not talking, but what I'm talking about is perhaps people maybe on—I don't know—say disability. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not telling everyone to come out of your wheelchair and start. Mm. You know, mm. I'm not saying that. But it, it could be a lonely life if you're a little bit isolated, you know, if you have a disability and maybe your, your movement or your mobility is not... I'm sure, you, you know, people would like to get out and maybe socialise and maybe, I mean, answer phones or... Mm. There's lots of jobs people can do. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, you have, well, that's you're disabled or you're on social welfare and that's you done. Of course, but the, the big issue there is that if people move off social welfare, they lose an awful lot of their credits, so you know, whether yeah. it's medical cards... And yeah, well, hopefully you, know. you can earn so much, so there is the family carers can earn up to 18 hours. I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying about that poor person at all. I mean, they, it's not an easy... And it is a job, and it's not an easy job what they do at all. Mm. They can earn so much, and I'll be all for that, because I think it's a much healthier um, society when we have people working and... Uh, when they can. When they can. Mm. And, um, and, and being involved in society and mixing okay. in their community. But I do not like two-tier pension systems. All right, OK. And before we leave the nightclubs, let's just go around the Table. Do you think it's wrong then, Connor? Do you think this shouldn't happen? This notion of six o'clock and uh... I, I would agree for the for the cities, but right. that the, in very limited circumstances, I don't think we're at a point yet as a nation where we're mature enough to handle this. That's 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 a very big thing to say. <laughs> do you do you walk down Clonmel at two o'clock on a Saturday Saturday, walk... Saturday night and, and see just how chaos it is? Do it yeah. on a Saturday afternoon. It's no big. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John, what about you? I don't have any issue with it, but don't. I, I don't think... You don't think there'll be, be a take-up? Yeah, it's one of those things that I think becomes kind of... Uh, nothing turns on it, really, because yeah. it's only going to be taken up in centres where well, it'll Helen, be absorbed. Helen McEntee said there was a priority issue for her, so obviously there's some there's lobbying going on. Yeah, there must be. I, I don't know whether that's from the actual nightclub owners that just want... They, they could pay up to 30000 a year for exemptions. Yeah. I'd say it could be tourism. I'd say yeah, it could be tourism. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Possibly, yeah. You know, yeah. But also, it's probably the only legislation she's probably likely to get through quickly. Connor, you've seen it. I'm the cynic, not you. I was going to say, I'm the cynic. All right, let me take a break. We'll be back with our panel in just a moment. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Welcome back to our Friday panel, and I'm delighted to be in the studio, uh, joined even in the studio by Councillor John Fitzgerald. Conor O'Brien is with us, and Andrea Keenan as well. Um, Israel has said it has uh, surrounded the Gaza Strip's biggest city, and the focus is to drive uh, that drive to annihilate Hamas as the United States uh, set to press Israel's Prime Minister. Netanyahu uh, to agree to uh, pauses in fighting to allow aid into the Palestinian enclave uh, tunnels there. The teacher, Cleo Varadkar, he has said that Israeli attacks on Gaza resembles something more approaching revenge rather than self-defence and that has become very, very controversial indeed over the last uh, 24 uh, hours. Uh, let's go to the panel where this is uh, concerned. I mean, nine, I think it's almost 10,000 people in Gaza killed at this stage, and I know that it was all in response to the uh, dreadful atrocity that Hamas perpetrated on the Israeli people. But it, it's... Would you go along with the Taoiseach, John, when he said it's it's revenge well, at this stage? Well, I would, stage? from the spirit, if he's... And I think, you know, if, uh, if the spirit of what he said is... Uh, going to save lives, I definitely would go along with it. If it. You know, revenge is good for no one. And if, you know, if if uh, the Americans and anybody else from the international community can put a, put a case to Benjamin Netanyahu to not be revengeful. Now, they did poke the bear, Hamas, and Hamas are, you know, I, I am one of those people that you know, don't like what I see out of Hamas, well, and I think it's a terrorist, th- terrorist organisation. But they use the Palestinian people as a human shield, and they're operating underground and in tunnels. And and I think on their doorstep, we have to be somewhat uh, cognizant of what Israel are living beside and what they have to cope with on a day to day basis. And they, you know, Hamas poked the bear. The bear has reacted, uh, but you would hope that the Israelis would be the bigger person here and not engage in the kind of slaughter that's going to, which is right. likely to happen but, but in the, the Gaza. In Gaza. The slaughter is going on. And mean, all, it's going on. You 10, said a figure 000, of 10,000 yeah, people. Um, kids. You know, Unbelievable. Children, the, yeah. the, 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 I, I, do you know what? I find it hard to watch. It's, yeah. it's, it's, okay. it's truly awful what's happening there. And, you know, it comes on, like, you know, nobody is even talking about what's happening in the Ukraine at the mm. minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Syria has faded off into the to the to the distant yes. memory and you know when other atrocities not similar but earthquakes and things like that happen in the world a lot of death happens but it's all about the middle east at the moment and these are two neighboring neighboring countries which have historically not mm. got on and but you know the two state uh, mm. doesn't seem to be working there I know they gave the keys and, and of Gaza to the not, Palestinians. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be. Doesn't look a like it's going now. to We're work. Probably talking and, about a single stage. Yeah. But surely, yes, of course, yeah. uh, Benjamin Netanyahu should pause and let aid and let uh, you know the you know, the, the, the likes of UNICEF and Medicines Without Frontiers and all these groups that are trying to get in there and do their best uh, for the people there. And I think, in fairness, I think you mentioned it off air, friend, that Blinken is out there again yes, yeah. trying to convince them. And I, I hope it works. The Israelis, are, the Jewish people have a right to be where they are they, and and the Palestinians have also rights and the, something has to be done there. I often think when I look at the map of Israel and see the West Bank up at one end of it mm. and Gaza stripped down at the bottom that it's 
it's a dreadful situation because it's all mixed in and even some of Jerusalem is on one side mm, and mm. some on the other. It's, it seems to be, it seems to be, it goes back, I remember President Jimmy Carter who, uh, doing his level best with the Egyptians back when I was a young mm, fellow. Mm. And it, it rocks on and it flares up every well, so I, often. I, I it's really remember back even part of the John the 1960s, all we heard about was the Golden Heights and, yeah. you know, the West Bank and That's the Gaza right. Strip and it was even, even back then. But you Hamas know? have put a whole new... Uh, the, the, the terror they're willing to... Like what they did, and I think the Israelis got are a little bit miffed how badly cut out they were by the attacks on well, their yeah. kibbutz. Nobody can understand that with the sophistication With, with of, the army they have oh. and with the reputation of their army that so many people, I think 2,000 people died in that initial attack into Israel. A lot of them children, a lot of rape, a lot of absolute atrocities, the likes of which have provoked Israel now. And Israel would be worried, I'd say, on the world scale if they were seen to be soft on this. And I think... It really takes a lot of high-level diplomacy to of course, bring this thing to... Con- Connor, the escalation is the, is the big scare, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, with yeah, where, where, where Iran is concerned, particularly. Yeah, if, if Hezbollah get pulled into yeah. this and, and... Well, already they're pulled into it to some extent. The suspicion is yeah. that they're going to start supplying even heavier weapons. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's going to be the start of World War Three. Because the, the USA will not be able do, to... Do you believe that. that, Connor? Do you believe that I this think is we're very we're all, we're on a knife edge here. Because if it just if if Iran steps in and Hezbollah step in, the USA will go straight in behind Israel, and then we're in war. Absolutely, there there is there's no two ways around it. That, that this is uh, that Israel have reacted so strongly, and Hamas have also are, are playing the victims in this one, even though they're that they're unfounded because they provoked it. Um, the reality is that USA is always going to be behind Israel, and if if they need to protect them, they will. Andrea, what 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 are you making of this? Are are you as frightened about this as we I'm, are? I'm not actually, Connor. Now I'm frightened after you said it. <laughs> I wasn't. I, did, I because, like John said, it's been happening for years. I remember the PLO. Yeah, yeah. And when they attacked the Israeli uh, plane in Munich at 1972 Olympics, um, and uh, this has been an ongoing crisis for a long time. But I mean, it's like tit and tat. I don't mm. agree with the PLO. I don't agree with Hamas or Hezbollah for that. Right. They're but, in but, Lebanon. But what's been happening though is a complete it's escalation. Yeah, but see, I mean, this you've is... got to look at the way the Palestinians are living now. So they all had a strip of land. Israel had a strip. Palestine had a strip. And Israel have gone into Palestine. Now they have little enclaves, mm. and. I mean, poor Palestinians, they're looking, who's there for us? Hamas stop up. Now, maybe that's not what they want, the the route they want to go down, but who else is there for them? Nobody is there. Well, you see, Jeff, people that are trodden on, inevitably what will emerge is a group like we, Hamas. We've had our own. Yeah, we've yeah. had a, it's, And, I mean, we, thanks be to God, ours weren't as bad. But, you know, it's that sort of, you can understand it. You're downtrodden. What do you do? You you fight. You right. you know, what they've done. And if I didn't, I had heard that they'd done some atrocities and I thought, well, maybe it's just a bit of over... But uh, if they have, yeah. I'm horrified by it. But I think the UN need to go in there. United Nations Force, I mean, we went into Lebanon and other places. I think they, we need to go in there and we need to... Ca- it needs to be calmed right down. Right, but there has to be agreement for that to happen. Well, you, you, not, you, well uh, you, they have to... Yeah, the two sides will have to say mm. stop. There has to be a ceasefire. When Michael T. Higgins, the president, he was saying he wanted a hum- it's a humanitarian mm. ceasefire, mm. and you can understand it. Uh, the Palestinians did not have a good life style a month ago. Uh, 
I mean, they don't have any infrastructure. They reliant on another country for their electricity and, yeah. and uh, web uh, internet, etc. That's, that's that incredible is not control healthy. over them. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. they have yeah. Israel has complete control over them. And then when they kick off, they go, "Oh, why are they doing that? Yeah. What do, we didn't do anything." You, would you go so far as to call it genocide? Some people are calling it genocide at the moment. Uh, me and the yeah, but it's 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 a two way traffic situation, I think, out there. I I I, I really don't know where the solution will lie. I think. I think Israel have to be the bigger man in this, uh, man or, or, or yes. woman in this, because... But the, Netanyahu is a hawk, he's right he wing. Is, he, he is, he but he's unpopular in his own country, I think, yeah, as yeah. well. Well, very cleverly, he has a unified government now behind yeah. him of the opposition parties mm, as well. So, right. you know, it's, it's, a tra- it's, it's, a terrible, it's a terrible situation. Um, I don't think the Israelis would wear a UN peacekeeping force yeah, in yeah. Israel. I don't think... I just... Are, are you as pessimistic as Connor about this? I'm, I'm always. I'm, look, I, I try to be not pessimistic. I hope the Americans. I'm glad it's Joe Biden is is president for this particular situation. I think. You think Trump would be more of a hawk. Oh, I think so, and I think, think he'd be very gung ho with the Israelis into once and for all ridding the world of Hamas but the trouble is what's going to get caught in all the crossfire is the Palestinian people and children and women and everyone out there that's struggling to stay alive at the moment the situation is is very bad it's very bad and I understand how Israel you know they have a, they must have a persecution complex you know as well it's 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 a funny one but I think the Americans Joe Biden and as you said Blinken is there I think and if Benjamin Netanyahu could pull back from the brink. He's in there on a land offensive already. They're well into mm. Gaza City. They're trying to flush out Hamas yeah. and, and trying to do a kind of a tightrope walk. The language this morning was interesting, John, in that they said that this was the peak. So you would hope mm, that, you know... Good, like, if it that's is. good, if it is. Are they really is. trying to flush out Hamas or they just want to are, are they the taking this on? Oh, no, I don't believe yeah. there. I don't believe that. Because I, they, they I, I only really have don't. Gaza and they have the other little bit down the south. Yeah, That's but I, I don't think. I think for you know, I think for all their failings, I don't think that. I don't believe that. I think that they are definitely after the terrorist organisation Hamas, who are, who are a very bloodthirsty, and there's the, the evil hand of Iran is behind them. And, uh, it's, and, and it's, people, it's complex. People making the point that yes. Iran probably mm. provoked this in the, in the first place. When, when I mentioned genocide there, you shook your head. Uh, you nodded. Sorry, Absolutely. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Do, you, do you believe... I mean, the definition of genocide being that, you know, the uh, destroying a nation or an ethnic uh, grouping Minority. or... Uh, Absolutely. What, what, is I that how that. you see Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, what... The, the, the reaction from Israel to the ha- attack from Hamas has been just total indiscrimination just fire yeah. a rocket yeah. if it blows up a hospital an orphanage or a house they don't care yeah. there is there there is I, I use the word lightly there is honour in war where you target the military targets and you don't target civilians you don't target people who are vulnerable Israel have not given a crap and they have just blown up whatever they had to blow up to try and get to Hamas. Raising everything to the ground. It's right. absolute chaos. And, and their excuse, if I can use that word around this, is that, you know, as John said earlier on, Hamas using human shields. In some mm-hmm. cases, their their underground network is under hospitals, possibly. And under. Yep. Do you see anything in that, no? Can't excuse. Uh, well, <laughs> the reality is, is yes, that they're under Hamas are underneath the hospitals and they are using those control yes. centres. But there's other ways to deal with it. I mean, they've got much more sophisticated weapons than just firing in humongous rockets in the hope of total destruction. Versus, uh, and, and like Andrea said, are they using this? Then is this being used as an opportunity here? Yes, so w- once and for all. Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
Get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, sick. I mean, they've been, it's been going on since 67. They are sick to death of them, the Palestinians, and they weren't rude. And they do have a complex. I mean, they were very badly treated in World War II. I, can't, I mean, obviously, I can use stronger language than that. But now it seems like they're doing exactly the same things to the Palestinians. They have them in an enclave. They, they're controlling their electricity, gas, food in, in and out, medicines in and out, control of their people in and out. They have to have a, um, like a passport to get in and out. Do you know, like what it's, it's they're putting a get it's a ghetto. All right, let's uh, move on to um, another issue that um, that emerged uh, during the week. We were talking about it quite a lot this morning as well. A growing number of GA clubs now are banning vaping on their grounds as concerns grow about the use of uh, e-cigarettes. We had a sort of mixed reaction to this uh, this morning. Um, uh, John, can I start with you? You're not a smoker, John. Are you? No, no. I don't did smoke. you did you ever smoke? Not really. No, no. no. Uh, va- vaping then and banning them at GA grounds because we've been hearing about how youngsters, twelve years of age now, it seems to be vaping all of the time and so many of them uh, as well. What, what are you making of vaping? Uh, I don't know. Um, I I think vapors, when they go to the pub and that's the only place I can comment about yeah. they seem to uh, do their vaping in the in the, in the seated covered smoking area because some of the vapes let out enormous puffs yeah. uh, compared yeah. to to other than flavored vapes and th- th- there is a, there is a there is they say i think there's not much research into it yet uh, a health issue with them uh, they call it popcorn lung it hasn't been fully tested yes. yet but uh, they it is there is dangers associated with it but i'm told by most publicans that most patrons do use the smoking area for their vaping Mm. So that would lie in a little bit with the whole social uh, usage of it in clubs as well, in, in sporting clubs. Right, but on the sidelines, John, that is what some yeah, of the Yeah, I don't are. know. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I, I don't know. You wonder uh, how they police it, wouldn't you? I do, and I think, I think it's something... I think it's something that's just going to fizzle out, really. I, I can't see how that'll wear. It's, it's, they're not breaking a law. Mm. And it'll come down to that, I think, in the heel of the hunt. I, I don't know. I think that the GA are entitled to make whatever decisions they like, and individuals' clubs are, and I respect that. But uh, mm. I don't know that outdoor use of any kind of a, a cigarette is a cigarette or a vape is so says is a going politician. To, is it res- is it responding, Connor, to that notion that you know so many young people are? Vaping now, yeah. and maybe it's the example of it. Exactly. I is that is that? What I it's think about? it is. I think it's that fundamental. <coughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think. I don't think they have any hope of implementing or policing it, as you mm. said. It's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, how immature are you going to look if you run up to a guy in the sideline and say, "Oh, no vaping here." Yes. Um, I don't think it's going to be enforceable, but I, it's again. I think it's the the current. The current uh, wave of of attraction by younger people to to vaping is uh, is worrying, and I think it's a step in the right direction that we're saying. Actually, look, we don't want them seeing this, this example on the sideline and uh, to take it somewhere else. Mm, yeah, so some of the medical reports now would be pretty worrying about mm-hmm. the long term effect of of vaping. Absolutely, I mean, the, they should never have been allowed. The flavoured yeah. vapes yeah. and the smells and everything else. I mean, it's. Did that deliberately target young people? Sorry, you're why, why, why? And the colourful packaging and everything else. And yeah. I mean, the attraction of this huge plume of smoke being generated and all this stuff. I mean, it's uh, it, 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 it's nothing about what people claim it's for in terms of, oh, it helps you get off cigarettes and everything yeah. else. I mean, it's the the industry now is all these pop up shops all around town of, uh, oh, come in and get your flavoured vape and tutti frutti and whatever else it is. So yes. I. I and while there are 
premier product out there, there's some unfortunate products out there as well that we really don't Absolutely. Know and, and again, it's, it's so unregulated, you've no idea what's going into it or where it's coming from. It could be made yeah. in someone's backyard, it could be made in China, you've no idea. Yeah. Andrea, by, by the way, Connor, sorry, do, do you mind my asking? Did never you, smoked. You never smoked? No, okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, did you smoke? So I did smoke, yes. Ah, sure. Uh, I'm Here we go. Them, <laughs> uh, I'm off them 15 years, 2008. Right. Uh, yeah, how, so how did you get off them? Can uh, I, I did Champix, it's a tablet. Oh. And they say it can give you, I don't know if they're even selling it now, but uh, it was from the doctor prescription, uh, could give you depression. You could suffer from depression with it, and I said I'd rather suffer from depression for six weeks then get cancer and that was my the way I mm. justified using it and I can't stand the smell of cigarettes now it re- really did affect my well, I don't know whatever in my it? brain yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't have you I, ever longed for one now? never can't abide I, if I go past pennies and they're all standing outside I'm coughing and spluttering my hands are going I really make a big I should be on the stage I really make a big drama about it I can't bear you were a delight to be around yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a reason I'm a single fan. Uh, but what do I think of vapes? Ban them. Yes. They, I can't see anything. Do you mean ban them? Ban, ban them. them in, there is nothing stuff. good about them. All we're doing is swapping a cigarette, uh, an addiction for another addiction, and it's not always children doing it. But I think there's a lot of peer pressure with ch- children. There was a young one in Northern Ireland. She ended up in a coma. She was an asthmatic. Why she was even being given these things is beyond me. But she was, and peer pressure, etc. Uh, it won't be enforced. I, grew, I, I like the fact that the GAA is standing up. Uh, I'd li- I like sport to, prov- to um, promote a healthy living. Mm-hmm. And that, with that comes that. I mean, then I don't know how expensive they are, but if they're, um, I mean, just they're, they're costing money. Well, we had various reports on that this morning. But Patsy spoke to me and she, she had an interesting take on it. She, she vapes. She thinks she's addicted to vaping, but yes. she did make the point that she was smoking an awful lot mm-hmm. and it really was detrimental to mm-hmm. her health. By comparison, this isn't so that's interesting well, they don't know though that's the problem you one you don't know what's going into them right a very good think. point but what i mean is she doesn't have the have the obvious symptoms of coughing and spluttering and well i mean there is there is that i mean there you know there are there, that's why initially people but it's the like uh, kind of said the, the flavors that's attracting children and that mm. is absolutely based at children uh i don't i think maybe they should be we shouldn't be allowed to set up pop-up shops and sell them um, unconditionally. I think they should be banned to uh, under 18s, and I think that should be tried to be enforced. Now, there's no police saying, but but mm. I mean, I mean, I think we all just have to step up and say it's not a healthy thing for a child to see a child doing. I don't think myself, and maybe a child at 12 and 13 thinks oh, I like vaping, or now at 16 I might smoke. You know, who's to say that they so don't cross go the, back the, the, the opposite, opposite uh, effect? Yeah, where, where that's see, they feel, I think yeah. they feel grown up. They see growing ups yeah. doing it. They can do it. And is it? I, 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 I would not be happy with it at all. Peter was speaking to me earlier on, John. He made an interesting point. He he thought that it was just the GA again for optics uh, seemed to be doing something about youngsters' health and stuff. Uh, is that a little? No, I don't think so. I don't think the GA do. You know, they they. Uh, I think Andrea's right. I think they're trying to promote healthy living activities, involvement in sport. Mm. Even though for years they accepted money from the drinks companies to to sponsor everything from jerseys to... Ah, they did, but we all, every, you know, that was a different, you know, race meetings everywhere, Mm. uh, cigarette companies, Mm. that that ship sailed and Mm. and, and it changed. Um, No, I I don't know uh, that the GA are doing that for optics, to be honest. I think they have, they, they, they... 
they would not. I could see how they wouldn't like that uh, mm. in their in their scenarios. But I I don't know. It's totally it's utterly unenforceable. That yeah. is that's the thing that I think I think nothing will turn on it either. Right. I think that I think you can't police that. Uh, I think look if it is if it isn't as bad as cigarettes, if it isn't quite as bad as cigarettes, it's a kind of a. Uh, an Irish uh, solution. It's it's Murphy's law. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a bit Irish better, but it's problem. it's it's not ideal. And uh, you know, I'm glad. I I, 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 do, I prefer. I don't like it. I think uh, I don't particularly like vaping myself. I I don't like uh, the whole you know the whole liquidy little yeah, little yeah, yeah, thing around yeah. it. But and there's um, an, an eco thing with it too because they can't recycle. Well, the with things, the so disposable ones. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. now they're yeah. generating uh, you know a problem Plastic with that. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think it might be a little bit enforceable with with peer pressure but with the adults so people watching the GAA and someone vapes beside them maybe one of them will go sorry that's you're not allowed to do that would you mind moving away and in, in a private way I am way, to see I that there's in pubs row. they're not doing it they're, they're, I so, I, so, I know some pubs I hear that no I haven't seen it myself but some pubs I hear that vaping is going on in vaping in is the but they, they generally like and I talk to a lot of publicans now and uh, I, I even spoke to them this morning some publicans and I just brought it up with them because I knew it was coming on the panel here and and uh, they told me that no people kind of look at you if you do it in the yeah. okay. inside in the pub, yeah. so they kind of go out. And that might be and the he, same with GAA. They, they might saying, look at them and yeah. yeah. I, I don't have to ask Andrea this, but w- would you confront somebody in a pub, uh, Connor? <laughs> Oh, if, they, if they were vaping beside you. Only if it's 6am in the morning. Just <laughs> <laughs> for the drink. And I had the Dutch courage to do it. But I, would, uh, I, I wouldn't confront someone, no, but I would okay. make it known that I wasn't happy with vaping around me. Right, so I, you, you give them the stare. I'm a passive-aggressive uh, sort, of, <laughs> sort of person, friend. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I would confront them. But go I, away. I would what not always be... I would not always... No, I, I can stand my ground. As people who know me know I can. But I wouldn't be down the throat. I would probably say something like, would, would you mind... Um, I, I'm an asthmatic. My daughter's asthmatic, but sometimes I throw it out there. I'm asthmatic, right. do you mind? I, I try... I, I like that passive-aggressive. I don't want it... Would you mind not doing it near me? Yes. I, I'm not a pub person, so really I'm not the person to be asked. I very, I, I can tell you last time I was in a pub, I don't... Right, but you, you, would, you would make your feelings known. I, I would, so. but I wouldn't be... I mean, people think I do jump, uh, I do bite. Uh, but no, I wouldn't, because if you're in a pub, especially this drink, I'd be nervous now more than that. I would be more nervous. What? The, the, there'd be re- retaliation? Yeah, people are way. drinking, yeah. I, mm. I'm, I'm not good around people that are drinking. I like to be well away. Right. So um, that's, that's not my... Area, but uh, no, I would. I would stand my ground. I always have. I mean, uh, you know, I have people come in to me and they say, "Oh, do you know, we were talking about someone this morning about, uh, you know, I don't like, really like someone to be caught speeding." And I went, "Why not?" Straight away, I said, "Why not? If you're speeding, you're speeding." Right. I don't. It's not. Mo- it's only a money uh, making exercise. If you speed, <laughs> if you don't speed, they don't get any money off you. Right. Okay. Well, well so, it's a, it's so a, I would always stand my ground. Yeah. It's a, it's a very valid point indeed. That wraps it up for today. Thanks to John and to Connor and to Andrea. Excellent panel as usual. Well, thank you very much indeed for that. That's it for me, Emma produced, and uh, Davin is on the way on the time tunnel. I will speak to you on Monday, so do look after yourselves. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.